Now I know what you're saying. Zachary. Zach. Z. Z-Man. Z-Man. Z-Dog. Z-Money. <laughs> Juicy Z. <laughs> Juicy Z. I don't know if I like that one. It sounds gross. It felt weird. Juicy Z. <laughs> feel bad about my choices today. I really do. Hang your head in shame. Hello and welcome to the RTR podcast. Salutations. I am your co-host, Zach. I'm Allison. And we're going to be discussing a fish called Wanda? Yeah, yeah. A is little... that a movie title? It's a movie. It's a restaurant item. Th- is there actually a restaurant that serves something called a fish called Wanda? They should, and it should have a lemon beurre blanc. A what? Lemon beurre blanc. It's kind of like a lemon butter sauce with a little bit of white wine. <laughs> oh, okay. Oh, that sounds fancy. Yes. Is it actually tasty? Yeah. Oh, okay. Kind of like, uh, imagine a piccata, but with a fish and a, a little... A, a what? Piccata. So a piccata... You're giving me all these fancy <laughs> culinary terms that I don't know. And has nothing, in fact, to do with a fish called Wanda. It doesn't matter. Yeah. I mean, in Fish Called Wanda, they do spend a bit of time talking about the incorrect culinary history of chips. And to, to channel the, the brother man from this movie, <laughs> you think you're so superior, <laughs> right? We All tied the- enough. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I actually have that as one of the uh, my, my timestamps. And <laughs> I, ju- I guess I'll talk about it more then, but that we had that conversation in ROTC. Uh, <laughs> we were arguing with the- We uh, didn't lose. It was a tie. See, that's what our superiors were saying. They're like, look, we didn't lose that. We've never lost a war. <laughs> Well, well, we have never lost a war. The that one wasn't a war; it was a conflict, and we should never have been there. But we digress. <laughs> but we digress. <laughs> Boy, you know, actually, being in the ROTC, I've always been the kind of punk rock sort of fellow that you see sitting before you now. Yes, let, let's talk about your facial hair. And see, that's even more <laughs> illustrative of my punk rock status. It's a cross between Colonel Sanders, no, and Serge Tankian, <laughs> Serge Tankian Sanders. Serge Tankian Sanders. She keeps trying to say it's Colonel Sanders. It's Serge Tankian. That's much more punk rock sounding. Well, yeah, of course it is. But and so that's exactly why, why you're trying to go the opposite way. Well, his isn't wide. His isn't this wide. Well, so you're an unkept Tankian Sanders. No, Tankian's is this wide. I've looked at photos of his as a guide. I'm wondering now if the the whole point of this. Was to get the full tanky and experience. Actually, no, it wasn't. So I was, <laughs> my beard had just gotten somewhat long and I was about to shave it all off, but I'd just been watching some Silicon Valley. Mm. And so Ehrlich Bachman has this exact facial hair and it looks totally ridiculous on him. So I was like, you know what? I'll make myself look totally ridiculous. The best part is I forget that I did this. And so every time <laughs> I see myself in a mirror, it makes me laugh. <laughs> I guess that's a it's a good way to be like you just live in that relaxed easy lifestyle. I mean, even if you left your house right now, you'd have a face mask, so no one would know. Oh, that's a good point. That's a shame actually, because I kind of wanted this. I wanted to be able to go out and have people like kind of yeah you. double take and be like, "The hell's wrong with that guy?" <laughs> well, the answer is nothing. What's wrong with you for caring? No, the answer is he's just a bit punk rock, <laughs> or a bit con- 
I say I, I say with my nerdy glasses on. <laughs> no, pshaw. I'm just a bit punk rock. I'm just a bit know? punk rock. Thank you. <laughs> now, excuse me. I need to go wash my dockers. <laughs> I don't have docker. Actually, I do have docker uh, slacks. The fact that you call them slacks is very punk rock. <laughs> <laughs> what else are you supposed to call them? They're the beige color pants. They're slacks. Let's call them what they are. Work pants. Oh, okay. Well, fine. They're work pants. <laughs> Speaking of, have we talked about the fact that I don't wash jeans on this podcast? Because I'm ready to put that on the record. And I'm ready to be horrified. You said you don't wash them? They get dirty. How often are you pooping yourself in your jeans? Really? Well, no, it's just like you shed skin cells, you sweat. Um, there's outside factors. Like when you're walking outside, you could be getting mud or dirt on them. Look, these pants are becoming part of me. And that one hasn't fused to you yet? Well, check it out. Actually, they're a nice color. They're a nice kind of dark wash. Do they bring out the blue of my eyes? They're not close enough to your eyes, and your eyes aren't... They're, they're kind of brownish hazel? Yeah, good job. Yeah. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> well, we're, we're in a kind of uh, romantically light rooms. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, blame the outside for being cloudy. It would have a lot more direct light coming in. It would be... Oh, you know what I forgot to mention? Yeah. Happy Valentine's Day. Thank you. You. No, thank you. you. Well, you're welcome. <laughs> I think I've done a lot for you this this uh, <laughs> Valentine's Day. <laughs> Got you a whole donut he from. <laughs> but see, you remembered what donut I said I liked from one of our recordings a couple episodes ago. Yeah, yeah. I. Uh, it's because I care. It's true, and I. <laughs> I just wish that you had been so thoughtful this Valentine's Day. Well, I I have been actually, and. At the end of the recording, we will share my thoughtfulness with you. That's right. So should we spoil what the thing you did and we'll just show them the recording later? I think that would be a good idea to try to hold you to the end. Exactly. Yeah, we tease the listeners. Yeah. They well, want to well, stick around for the epic conclusion to our stories. And in a way, I'll say that it's a glowing endorsement of our podcast. It is. Even though the name of the podcast isn't said... The fact that there is a podcast is sad. <laughs> <laughs> we'll take it. <laughs> we'll take it. <laughs> so anyway, Allison got me a recording, a special celebrity recording from Saxman in uh, The Lost Boys. Yep, Mr. Tim Capello. Yeah, he, he, went on, he, he has a little video where he says a lot of nice things about me and to me. Mm-hmm. And Positive affirmations. Exactly. Gives, me, gives our podcast a little shout out. Mm-hmm. Calls you my girl like several <laughs> times. <laughs> Well, I, I think he knows friend girl, but you know. Just uh, that phrasing. Yeah, it, it, he, he had a very awkward phrasing about it, but yeah. it was still very sweet. And yeah. and he'll guide you on a meditative hip dance. And he did hip thrust very manfully. Yeah. And if you want to see the video, we're going to upload it to the RTR community face place. It will be an RTR community face place exclusive. So do you think that saying RTR community face place ought to be said with a pirate accent? RTR community face, please. I feel like that should be necessary. Yeah. Obligatory. Yeah, I like it. Uh, R- the RTR. RTR mimitis. Exactly. <laughs> so yes, we'll upload that. And at the end of this pod, after the credits, we will give you the audio. Yeah, do enjoy. Stick around for that. Happy Valentine's Day from us at the RTR to you. 
Yes. So uh, this is a movie podcast, right? It is. It is, in fact. So what do we do on this podcast? So typically, the normal is I talk to Zach in normal conversation. What will come up is the fact that he hasn't seen something Mm -hmm. and I will literally die. Yeah, she's died many times at this point. Yeah, it's becoming problematic. Uh, But but that makes you Kenny. So you're Kenny from South Park. Or I'm also Mr. Murray from Grandchild's Day. Every time we reset the clock and come back and I... (laughs) Or you're Cascada. Cascada. Because every time we touch, I get this feeling. (laughs) And every time we kiss, I reach for the sky. I have not thought about that in a million years. (laughs) It came on my shuffle the other day. Made me think of it. Do, do, I'm sorry. Do, do you have an iPod shuffle still? Yes. It came on my iPod shuffle, which I had connected to a wired set of headphones. Uh, it's next to my boom box. Exactly. <laughs> what are we still listening to MP3s over here? <laughs> it took 14 hours to download from Live Monitor. <laughs> But yes, so uh, I I get shocked that you haven't seen something that you absolutely, I think, should have seen because either merit critically acclaimed or because I just think it's your taste. There's kind of a passive implied condescension in the the concept of this podcast. It's like, you should have seen this already, but I guess I'll have to show it to you. Yes, begrudgingly. (laughs) It's always begrudging. (laughs) So uh, then we watch it, uh, we take our separate notes, and then we come together and Come together right, right now on a Sunday. <laughs> Sorry, I, I won't sing after everything you say, but some it's two in a row. I'm too lyrical. <laughs> yeah, you are. <laughs> so uh, after we watch it, we take our notes, we come back together, and we share our thoughts. We have an award ceremony and a rating scale, all of our own. And then you break my heart and tell me you either hated it or <laughs> you lift my heart and say, it was fine. <laughs> you make my day by saying oh, sorry it's uh what i like to call the mark reading my cooking equivalency is he very uh, is he a harsh critic of your cooking he's not a harsh critic but his levels of enjoyment are meh and it's fine it's good oh that's just yeah. him generally he doesn't react higher than that yeah no there's been a couple of times where he's been really amazed by something but that's been that like you and know what's that reaction like oh my gosh like it, it's it's still very reserved compared to how we normies would react. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think that's the but first time we've referred to ourselves as normies. Comparatively. Usually we're the people up on our ivory horses and saying, well, if the normies don't like this, that's because they're ignorant and foolish. You're a plumber. What on earth well, is that? What on earth is that? <laughs> so with Mark, it's still just like, it's really good is I think the highest exclamation of uh, adornment. And, I've only really heard him say that once, and that was with Wagyu that we had on our honeymoon. Wagyu, eh? Wagyu, uh, super fancy steak. It is. It was almost like a $300 cut of meat. <clears throat> they don't really season it. They have a special way that they have to prepare it. We had it at Chef Morimoto's restaurant in um, Florida. Wow. Did you pay $300 for it? Well, we didn't just... Dash, dine and dash. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that was the listed price, so of course we're going to pay it. Yeah, he, he got three ounces of steak, which, you know, is very small. I think it ended up being that the amount of steak that he got, it ended up being like 150 Like, he didn't get like the full... Monty. The full Monty. And he offered me a bite, and like, I, I wanted so badly to try like a real sliver, but like when 
your dinner is three little slivers of steak. Like I didn't feel right about it. So oh like, man, just give me the smallest corner, and it was so good. Was so, so good. I th- this some, has been our food cast. <laughs> some part of that though has to be psychological, like well, because because you know there is so little, and you have to savor it, and you know the cost of it, mm-hmm. and you 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 have to take such a small thing. So with a smaller sample size, your your it rolls over your tongue. You're concentrating on it more. You believe that it's going to taste better. There's got to be a huge psychological component to that. I still believe. You still believe? I still believe. Saxman. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So, like, I don't, I didn't focus on the words. Yeah. I focused on. The hips. uh, It was the hips. And the cod piece. (laughs) And the cod piece and the abs, his gigantic arms, his hair, the chains. The purple. The purple. (laughs) Everything about that man. I, I temporarily was not colorblind for because <laughs> of the purple stripes of his pants. <laughs> no, it was it, everything about him was beautiful. Yeah, you know. Oh God, the the curly hair. <laughs> everything about that man. <laughs> so I mean, yes, the I would say the difference in the quality of the wagyu uh, versus, say, a filet mignon is the wagyu literally does melt in your mouth because there's such a marbled fat content within the meat Mm. that it just, in essence, picks up a completely different texture and flavor palette than most of the the steaks we're used to. It literally, you did not have to chew it. So you're telling me that that was substantially better than the Five Guys burger I had last night? Yes. Well, actually, I'm going to say no. Because it depends on what you want. So, for, If you want good food. Well, so there's a difference. Good food really is what speaks to your soul. It's very individualized. So what's good for Allison, like movies, may not be good for Zach. Case in point, best in show. Or best in show. <laughs> <laughs> or Ghost in the Shell. Yeah, Ghost in the yeah. Shell kind of had the inverse thing happen. Yeah. so Which I, was, I think was just revenge because it was right after best in show. I don't think... and. I'm willing to give it another try. But by your standards set in the Tale of Two Sisters, we can't give something two tries as a merit of liking it on the first try. Like, it has to stand alone on its first watch. Yes and no. So what I was saying there wasn't... No, no, no. What I was saying (laughs) there was that for literally, it's not, not that you were in a bad mood and so you couldn't have enjoyed it the first time or you weren't paying enough attention so you didn't catch all the points of the, the, in the first watch. It was literally the way that the Tale of Two Sisters was written. You could not have, unless you just random guessed like I did, mm-hmm. you could not have known what was going on until like the last 10 minutes of the movie. So quick sidebar. Okay. Next time I come in, I'm going to bring a lint roller for the microphone. <laughs> oh yeah. My mom came here the other day and she was like, this place is so hairy. <laughs> It's a, I can tell that the cats really like the booms. <laughs> I know. I try to lift them up to get them out of there, but I, they find ways. Yeah. And so. normally I have a, uh, I don't want to make myself t- sound too uh, fancy dancy, mm-hmm. but I do have a cleaning staff come and, uh, you know, fix up my house every once in a while, but I haven't had them come in about a month. So. Is it mother? No, I actually genuinely hire a cleaning staff. Oh, is it Mary Mates? Uh, no, it's, I don't actually know what they're called. I hired them. I called them Susan. 
<laughs> I call them, hey, you. Do you want Do you want to make a buck? <laughs> you want to make a buck? <laughs> no, I hired them months and months ago, and I just text them whenever I... Well, they text me, actually, randomly. They're like, hey, you need another cleaning? And I'm like, yeah, sure, come on Please. over. I didn't think about it, but yes. That's genuinely what happens. Like, I sometimes will go for two months, and they'll randomly text me, hey, you want a cleaning? Yeah, why not? Sure. Why not? <laughs> so, what, this is a movie podcast. Yes. We what, talked what, not about movies. What are we doing here? <laughs> Well, I don't feel like we've gotten through personal news, but I feel like we've shared a lot of personal things, so that counts as news. Yeah, sure. Yeah. I've shared that I've got a cleaning staff. Yeah, because he's a rich boy. Oh, Mr. Fancy over here. So all you single ladies. <laughs> ah, if you want someone with a cleaning staff. <laughs> that sounds weirder. Yeah, yeah it's, it's the, I think, staff. staff yeah. yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Happy Valentine's Day. <laughs> Look, uh, look, you know I didn't mean it. I uh, I would never say something so crude because I'm a fancy man. So in podcast news. Do we have any? In a funny way. Oh, okay, go ahead. <laughs> uh, yesterday, Mark and I had a long road journey and I'm like, oh man, this would have been a perfect opportunity to share some of the podcasts that I put all of my love and thoughts into because you haven't listened to any of it, my husband. <laughs> He's listened to enough to know that I haven't seen anything. Yes. Well, he also knows that because I tell him what we're watching and sometimes he watches with me. I think the most egregious of the ones that I hadn't seen was Indiana Jones. I would I would agree with that just be, from a blockbuster standpoint. Yeah. And it's so ubiquitous in culture. Like even young fellas, like my little brothers had seen it. Mm. Mm-hmm. But yours truly had not. Yeah. And that's why this podcast is necessary. It's this podcast is culturally important and not not even to say that I, I feel like in a small way I'm saving your life <laughs> and the lives of all of those people out there those poor ignorant fools who haven't seen these movies either yeah we're encouraging uh-huh. them to see that and them, it thems, and in that way thems. we're also saving the film industry exactly Hollywood would go bankrupt without us I know we're so good we are the best. <laughs> So happy we started doing this, saving the world. You know what's sad, though? For as good as we are and as selfless and caring and devoted to our our friends and new friends that we haven't met yet, we haven't been getting a lot of love back. No. The people have abandoned us. It's true. Sometimes, even though I know people like, you know, my good friend Matt, they haven't left us a five-star review. And where would they, slash should they, and in reality, will they well, the, leave one? Well, the only place I can think of is on Apple. There's no place better. Apple Podcasts. Yeah. Just hammer that five star and then just say what's coming from your heart. Or make Zach <laughs> say that he really did love Best in Show. Make him say it? Yeah. I'm fu- yeah, no, do that. I'm comfortable saying that. I mean, honestly, you could type in the first five dimensions to like a building schematic mm-hmm. and I'd, I'd read that just as happily you can flip through a dictionary find a word at random and put in the name definition word origin and we'd read that look i think you should do one better download an app called thinky words <laughs> and just go to the daily word there uh-huh. and type type that in that's a real easy way to find a random sweet word oh could it be an elvish uh, yes, there is a Lord of the Rings word pack in Thinky Words on the Apple App Store. Now, is it available on other app stores or just Apple? It's just on Apple. Download now. Excellent. Thinky Words. You know, I do need to expand my vocabulary, so. That's the perfect way to do it. Download Thinky Words and become smarter today. 
<laughs> not tomorrow. Time's a waste in TikTok. <laughs> <laughs> Got to put a ticking time clock on these things. So, um, so as we've said before, if you don't like us, also leave us a five star review. Tell us what you don't like, and we'll be forced to read it out loud. Yeah, there's nobody that shouldn't be leaving a five star review. If you if you like us. If you think that we're only a three out of 10 podcast, leave us a five-star review. Tell us what we can improve. If you love us, leave a five-star review and write some gibberish or something. I don't know. Mm -hmm. If you hate us, leave a five-star review and tell us exactly why and try to hurt our feelings. And so I'm just, I I said I'm going to do this, so I'm going to do it now. Thomas, Thomas, if you're listening, we really need your five-star review. Yeah. And uh, Jeffrey, Jeffrey James. I think you need to leave us this five-star review. Now, is that Jeffrey James as a full name or Jeffrey or James? So two different people. That was the first name. Oh, Jeffrey James. Yeah. Billy Bob. Yeah, precisely. So Jeffrey James, please leave us the five-star review. And Jennifer, I really could use your your lift. Just raise your voice to the five-star review. Yeah. Plastic Jeffrey alibi wannabe. (laughs) I think that you should leave us a five-star review. Plastic Jeffrey wannabe? Is that what? some there's an Alfred in there, I think. Oh. <laughs> That's quite a complex name. <laughs> that was all the first name. Simple, like that was all the first name. Like Kate or Meredith. <laughs> Front door Jones. Front door <laughs> If someone know, please, please do a five star review and call yourself Front Door Jones, <laughs> even though that's not your name, and be like, I never expected this shout out. Thank God you were here. Front Door Jones is a great name. <laughs> Joey Jojo Jabadu. <laughs> Crack myself up. That's, that's out do, of control. You do. All and right. that's what's important. And that's what's important. Okay. What are we doing? Oh, yeah. Five star reviews. Yes. Please, people. Please. What are you doing? If you are listening to this at this moment and not leaving us a five-star review, You're stealing. there is hate in my heart for you right now. Thieves. I've got a burning feeling in my in the pit of my stomach. I told you to go to the doctor for the burning. Well, there's burning in many places. Just, <laughs> but but the, the burning specifically in the pit of my stomach is reserved for the hatred that I have for these people who aren't leaving five-star reviews. No. You know? And this could so easily be remedied it's true be the antacid to his burning belly (laughs) (laughs) all all these five-star review leavers are the antacids yes thank you antacids for all of our current antacids i thank you from the bottom of my stomach yeah yeah so anyway yeah do that do that i think that's a good idea yeah leave a five-star review on apple the podcasts Mm -hmm. let's go to act two so What are you going to do with that? Synopsis time. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, what's the real synopsis of this movie? Let me get my Mrs. Movie voice going. Uh, Can you do a movie phone voice? Not a good one. Let's hear it. Let's hear it. I'll be be spontaneous later. (laughs) (laughs) I can be really spontaneous. It just takes me a while. In London, four very different people team up to commit armed robbery. Then try to double-cross each other for the loot. Press one. (laughs) (laughs) It almost sounded like you were doing the Trey Parker voice, like, Rob Schneider is a stapler. (laughs) Derp de derp. (laughs) (laughs) It's coming out in June. Whatever. Fuck you. You'll see it. (laughs) (laughs) So my bad synopsis is, uh, man, do I ever relate to Ken. Ken being the stuttery fellow? The, the one who can't handle any animal hurting. And he ends up murdering three puppy dogs. Yeah. Like, I'm just like, <laughs> I felt worse for him than anyone else in the whole movie. 
Uh, well, I mean, he was a three-time dog murderer. I feel worse for the dogs he and did, for the woman for he didn't whom want to murder the dogs. That was an accident. Yeah, he did it three times. After the second one, give up. Well, you know. After I mean, the, really, after the first one, I might have given up. I would have been more careful about how I was dispatching this old bitty because I feel like there's a million ways he could have done it and look, not look, killed the dogs. At least wait for a moment when she is not right next to the dogs. <laughs> Do you see where you went a little bit right? <laughs> if you're going to have a gigantic piano falling on them or whatever that was. <laughs> masonry of something whatever it was yeah. don't do it when the dog is right there now i will say if it was a piano that would have been a little too cartoony well at one point we did see the dog flattened on the pavement in, so a, sad. in a cartoonish way i still had to look away i also have i to was look- wondering how you were handling this oh god like, so for some reason you haven't listened to any of our other episodes i find anything with animals to be abhorrent and i can't do it like even uh baxter being punted off the bridge <laughs> makes me cry so obviously like a stuffed animal it makes me cry so just just know i really struggled with this part but there's enough other good things in this movie that it i was okay but yeah game of thrones i i had trouble with game of thrones i know you haven't watched it because of the animal stuff and i'm saying there's not that much animal stuff and the rest of it is so good yeah apparently uh like after the episode that i stopped watching that no more animals die for yeah, a while. I, like, I don't remember anything. Like, you remember one thing, and I think it was lady. what lady being put down. Yeah. That's like the only thing ever. <laughs> that was enough. Well, but the rest of it is so good. <laughs> anyway, so what's your synopsis? Well, I say the rest of it. The last season is kind of, oh boy. My synopsis is lots of men fondle Jamie Lee Curtis. A- yep. That's an accurate representation of this movie. You're not wrong. You just speak in a different language and she's yours. <laughs> <laughs> or or if you have something that she wants. I was like, is that, does that do it for some people? Like, cause it wasn't a specific language. Like I know people who are like, oh, British accents, gorgeous. Like for her, it was Russian. literally French, Spanish. Yeah, it was anything. It was anything. Like it just, it's like. Oh, but I won't speak Italian. That's so crass. Russian. (laughs) (laughs) And it's not even proper, like, sentences. Like, I wonder, like, how would she respond to Japanese? Uh, That's a good question. Yeah, we'll never know because we're not Jamie Lee Curtis. That's right. So there you go. Trivia time. Do you have any good trivias? I do. I actually have some very good trivias this time. I was excited. I think I've got more, so I might want to go first. Okay, but don't step on my feet. Don't, don't you take any oh you want to step on mine instead yes <laughs> no go on uh the fish that kevin klein ate were made out of jello oh yeah. that makes me feel good yeah because i was actually a, a little bit of my worry about the animal cruelty was <laughs> flaring up yeah because not only in one scene does he kind of smack the surface with the I brush i hated that scene. i know because it looked like he got kind of close to smacking some of those fish and i felt really bad about that but uh I, is he really eating those fish and apparently he wanted to he told he told the uh, the filmmakers that he wanted he was fine eating the real live fish, and they were like, "No, you're not allowed to do that." So they made Jello versions. For yeah, him. he would have gotten in a lot of trouble with the PETA folk. Well, so what, did we establish the other day when did PETA start doing their thing? 1980. 1980. All right, so eight years he would have had to get his act right. He didn't. So there was the urban legend of Boondock Saints actually killing the cat. Oh, I uh, I asked Norman Reedus about it. Yeah, apparently that's not true. 
Yeah, well, he told me, he's like, no, my my wife would have never forgiven me. <laughs> like, <laughs> wife at the time, I think he's divorced since then. But um, hey, yeah, I, I asked opportunity him about, knocks. Oh, gosh. He, he was also leather and spiced. Uh, yes. <laughs> but he said it was a stuffed cat with a can of spaghettios in it. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Hey, there's a good piece of trivia. That's film trivia for you. That's why you listen to this damn podcast. Yeah, and that came straight from Mr. Reedus's mouth. Right. So this movie holds the record for the longest time to reach number one from 1982 to the present. This movie was released July 15th, 1988 in the U.S. and reached the number one spot on September 16th, 1988. But whoa, whoa. Sorry. I read I read that exact same fact and I had a kind of a concern with the phrasing. What does that mean from 1982? Oh, I think between the the. Those years, it was the but best. 1982 on forwards through today. Uh, so so the, the records beginning on 1982 yeah. as to which movie became number one, taking the longest. Yes. It, it's a weird. Why did it start in 1982? I don't know. That's so weird. <laughs> it's like 1981. There was one that would have beaten it. So they're like, yeah, hey, let's do 1982. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> or maybe no one paid attention to them and they just didn't want to do the research. There were no records kept in Hollywood <laughs> before no 1982. Records. None. None. <laughs> uh, that's very odd. Okay. Michael Palin's father stuttered. So he used a lot of his real life experience when pl- this as his real life experience for playing Ken Pyle, which was apparently that guy's name. Including the fact that his stutter was less pronounced around people that he trusted. Huh. Yeah. That's an interesting factoid. Yeah. I had a friend in uh, elementary school, middle school, and high school. He's act- he was my best friend in my primary school days. And now he lives in flipping like Idaho or something, so I can't see him anymore. He came to visit, though, last Christmas. Not this one, but the one before. Mm-hmm. But he used to have a really bad stutter. And uh, I'm ashamed at the, the methods that I used, but I broke him of his stutter. What what methods did you use? I slapped him every time he stuttered. Oh, oh, that's terrible. He asked, he asked me to do it. Okay, because, <laughs> you know, modern psychiatry would allude to that that's not a very nice thing to do. It's not <laughs> nice, but it, the, you can't argue with results. He stopped. and his, oh, there, there are some very famous stutters in history, like Mr. James Earl Jones. Does he stutter? He, he was a stutterer. Yeah. Oh, so he got over a stutter. He did. Um, he's one of the most magnificent voices in the world. Exactly. And so he's a, a very big advocate for just kind of awareness around people who do stutter. Very interesting. I know that there are therapeutic ways of getting over your stutter. Mm-hmm. Did you ever see the film The King's Speech? No, but I, isn't that one of those famous stories about a stutterer? Yeah, it, it's a beautiful film, but it will have to be one of my golden buzzers. I would love that to be one of your golden buzzers because I do want to see that movie. Oh, so good. Yeah. Oh, God. There's this one really powerful scene that I can't talk about, but it makes me cry. Was that an Oscar winner or was it just nominated? This film nominated. is. It was for Best Supporting Actor, yeah. yeah. Which is just very rare for a comedic role, but that, that was one of my... Oh, that's one of mine too. So uh, it's a, it was it was rare for it to have been him to be nominated and won for an Oscar and not to have been nominated for any other award that mm. season. So he wasn't like MTV Movie Award or any other thing. He was he was nominated for a BAFTA but didn't win. So he didn't win any other award that season but did win the Oscar, which is pretty rare. So the King's Speech cleaned up. It won for Best Picture, Actor, Screenplay, Director. Yeah, those are the <laughs> those are the big ones. Yeah. <laughs> so wh- how about what do you think about this? having different categories for best actor and actress. So I think it's weird to have a different category for women because we're, we're both people, right? Men and women. Mm-hmm. Who's with me? Well, I, and so I, I will say I that feel like I, their talents should be compared together. I thought that they were leaning towards doing that. They ought. 
I don't know how far the conversation went, but I, I thought that there was discussions about that because using the term actress is even becoming more passe. Like everyone is. An I, I said that in a previous ac- yeah. uh, episode. I was like, you don't say it uh, if you're getting treated by a female doctor, you a don't doctress. call her a doctress. Yeah. <laughs> it's weird. So I, I think evolutionarily speaking, we're getting closer towards that. Well, there you go. So, actor, executive producer, and writer John Cleese chose the name Archie Leach because it was Cary Grant's real name. Because he was born 20 miles away from where Grant was born in Huendon Road. Oh, Huendon, which sounds very similar to the made-up name that Ke- uh, Kevin Klein gives. <laughs> <laughs> Gavin Clunson-tun-tun-tun-tun-tun-tun. In Horfield, Bristol, England. Director Charles Crichton, uh, this was one of his first films in two decades, um, and he only returned to the director's chair after John Cleese did a high amount of persuading. So on the same topic of him requiring persuading to come back to directing, because he was so old and hadn't directed anything in a while, they wanted Cleese to have a co-director position to ensure that the project would be finished to a, a quality that they cared about. So they really didn't trust him. That's interesting. Yeah. I mean, especially with uh, a director that technically had clout for kind of the, the style of comedy that we were witnessing. It and was ageism. ageism. Disgusting ageism in the 80s. Just, Who just, could have believed it? Of all the isms from the 80s, that's the one you have trouble with. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so it's my turn. Uh-huh. Okay. So here, gather around children and hear the story. Ooh. An urban legend. Yeah. A Scandinavian urban legend as well. What? Oh, yeah. In 1989, when this movie was shown in theaters in Denmark, a Danish man named Ole Benson, an audiologist, literally laughed himself to death during the scene where Ken Pyle gets chips put up his nose. Benson's heart rate went between 250 and 500 beats per minute. How could anybody know those numbers? And eventually succumbed to a cardiac arrest. Now, that's just a matter of fact. I mean, he obviously died from cardiac. But how could they have known the beats per minute range? I don't know. This is dumb. The story behind this is that the man told a joke a few years earlier with his family during dinner where he put a piece of cauliflower up his nose. High comedy. And and all the rest of his family members' noses as a joke. And a bet with them on who could eat their... (laughs) (laughs) who <laughs> could eat up their carrots without the cauliflower falling out. Mm-hmm. It's very odd. Well, with this scene, when this scene with Ken Pyle uh, came on, he started thinking about this dinner incident. How could anyone know what he was thinking? <laughs> and he laughed so hard that his heart stopped. Uh. This story is well known in Scandinavia and was confirmed by his son, who also told the dinner story as an explanation as to why his father laughed so hard during the chip scene. That he died. This is so, this is definitely an urban legend. <laughs> well, what's funny though is I, I had the, the same story mm-hmm. as one of my trivias. So I'm like, ah, you scoop me. Ah, sorry. So, but it seems it like There's so he, many he, probab- that he probably would have already had a heart condition. Yeah. He didn't laugh himself to death. He had a heart attack while he was laughing. Yeah, which also very sad. <laughs> it's very sad, but this is total BS. <laughs> You're, you're disagreeing with your own fact. No, I, it's, I, I set it up as an urban legend. It is an urban legend, and people are passing it around as fact, and I'm saying it's totally probably not. Totally probably. 
Really, they, they I'm actually, just saying there's definitely no way of knowing these details that they came up with. No, there's a way. They can contact a medium through a spirit board. Oh, and it excuse just, <laughs> me. I didn't know that we were getting into hard science over here. <laughs> Educate me more on this magic. Uh, so Otto uh, Klein's character was inspired by our real-life self-help gurus and Mester Rama. Ah, you scooped me. Sometimes called the yuppie guru. <laughs> Oh, and I will say that John Cleese described that character as singularly unimpressive. (laughs) Okay, so Archie Leach's daughter, Portia, was played by John Cleese's real-life daughter. Shut up, Portia. Oh, do shut up, Portia. (laughs) I want a new nose. Do shut up, Portia. I want a new horse. Oh, do shut up, Portia. I wonder if he just specifically wanted to tell his daughter to shut up a whole bunch. <laughs> Probably. So anyway, uh, her real life name is Cynthia Cleese. How do you like that? She looks a lot like Connie Booth. I wonder if that was the daughter he had with Connie Booth. I don't know. Do you know who Connie Booth is? I'm going to guess it's someone from Faulty Towers. She's someone from Faulty Towers, co-creator, co-writer, and co-star. She was the lady woman who kind of uh, did the waitressing and, and uh, all around oh. help. Okay, yes. Uh, then I do know who that is. Yeah, she's hilarious. She does look like Portia. Doesn't she? She had the more tan like Connie Booth had. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm, I'm wondering. Hmm. You know, if only we could Google. If only we had access to Google. Well, what does Google have to say about this? Ha-ha! Secunda! Yep, that would be the one. Hey, what do you know? What do you know? Not a lot. Gotta be real honest. Well, now we know that <laughs> Cynthia Cleese is Connie Booth's daughter. Yep. All right, so what's your next triv? So it actually has to do with the Academy Awards for Best Supporting Actor. Um, we've already discussed that Mr. Klein won the award. Comedy movies rarely farewell at the Oscars, but A Fish Called Wanda was the exception. The film was nominated for three awards, Best Screenplay for Cleese and Creighton, Best Director, and Best Supporting Actor for Calvin Klein. Uh, Calvin? Kevin Klein. <laughs> I keep doing that. Uh, who took home the statuette. The statue was actually given to him by Sean Connery and Michael Caine. Michael Caine. He lamented when he went onto the stage that there was far too many British people around him. He gave lamentations at his Oscar award acceptance speech? It was actually just kind of a funny joke. He's like, wow, there's a lot of British people here. It makes me really <laughs> uncomfortable. Yeah. <laughs> it kind of reminded me of when it was the color of Sound of Water. What was it called? Shape of Water. Shape of Water. Guillermo del Toro Mm -hmm. was being given the award, I think, for that movie. Mm -hmm. And Sean Penn was reading out the list and he was like, hey, he won for this. Someone's got to take away this guy's green card. Oh, I do not remember that. (laughs) You don't remember that? He made a couple of like, he was being, yeah, he was being sarcastic, obviously. But yeah, he was kind of ribbing that foreigners were winning the awards. (laughs) Oh, cheesy peasy. But he he is like one of the most liberal people, so obviously he was being sarcastic. I mean, so much so that they made a Cards Against Humanity joke about it. Oh, yeah. What what does that card say? Oh, uh, as a gift to the Haitian people, Sean Penn sent them. Sean Penn. (laughs) Well, usually that's the one people play. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Uh, Which makes the most sense if you think about it. So when John Cleese is being dangled out of the window and being forced to apologize, (laughs) members of the, he is really being dangled out of a window. Really? Out of a, that, that is a real place. He was actually being dangled out of that window and members of, soiled myself. Yeah. It wasn't a closed set or anything. You can actually see in the shot members of the general public looking up at him. I thought they were doing that because they were like, you know, supposed to be like, Oh, that man is dangling that guy at the window. They were, (laughs) but really they weren't acting. (laughs) They were. Did they get paid for their time? <laughs> no. 
because they're not extras. They they weren't part of the production. Oh, they were just onlookers. They were just onlookers. Pure onlookers. Yeah. Woo-woo. But you can actually see. I was I before I read that fact. I was looking at. I almost called him Michael Caine. John Cleese's face. <laughs> Michael Caine. Michael Caine. I would have loved for him to appear in this movie. So much. You, we got a Stephen Fry appearance though. What? I forgot to tell Come you. Come on, son. To excite you about this film. I'm, I'm glad you didn't. I was so surprised and excited. You were like, he's so young. He was. And, and tall. That's one of my timestamps. It's the very second that you first see him on frame. You see him walking through a doorway. It looks like he's on stilts. Yeah, he's a very tall fellow. <laughs> he's, I think he's six foot five. I don't think I've appreciated how tall he was before. Well, that's because in his later years, he's, he's filled out, as one would say, in polite company. The length has started to be matched. <laughs> <laughs> I guess, yeah. I mean, he does slim up sometimes. Like He, he kind of loses weight uh, for a time and then gains it back. But yeah, when he loses weight and he's a slender fella, he is a tall man. Like Stephen Merchant. Stephen Merchant is 6'7", so he's even taller. Yeah, but he's just itty bitty. Oh, skinny as a rail? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, well, it's kind, of, it's kind of like John Cleese. I think John Cleese is also 6'7". Yeah, um, his daughter, the, the fat toy that came out when I was looking her up, said that she's 6'1", so she must get it from Teddy. Wow, is she really? Mm-hmm. Wow. So when Otto West, which I guess is the brother... Mm-hmm. I've not taken in anybody's names. Yeah. So Otto is uh, Klein. Okay. So when Otto West leaves Archie Leach's home, he says to Wendy that they would all be speaking German outside of the U.S. if the U.S. <laughs> hadn't come in to, you know, protect. Yeah. And then while he leaves, he starts singing Deutschland über alles. I don't know how to properly pronounce that. But in the German dubbed version, he says that they'll all be they would all be eating sauerkraut and listening to military marches and then he imitates the military marches because huh. the verse that he sings in the English version is the first verse of their national anthem which they don't sing anymore it's oh. considered too uh, nationalistic that's interesting. Do they have a more accepted anthem that they, they sing or there's just Well there are three verses to their official national anthem mm-hmm. and they only sing the third verse now yeah, the first one is definitely considered too nationalistic, and the second one is a little bit also. So they generally only sing the, the third one. But also later, when Otto speaks in Italian, the Italian version is dubbed uh, with him speaking Spanish. Which makes sense. Now, a, a lot of the Italian that he was saying was just food. So was <laughs> he doing that? Mozzarella. With... <laughs> he, like how he struggled. He's like, veal calapini. Like... Well, so that was because a lot of his lines, most of his lines actually were ad-libbed. Almost all of his Italian was ad-libbed. Mm. He actually begged John Cleese to have Give him. him a script? <laughs> no, to let him speak French instead of Italian. Because, because he, he, actually, he actually knows French. <laughs> and he's like. Nah. <laughs> yeah, John Cleese was like, no, it has to be Italian. And so he was fumbling through his ad, uh, ad-libbing. And I think at one point he sings a song. Yeah. Because that was all he could think of in at the moment. Cantare. And he was really, he was worried because they didn't call cut when he started doing that. <laughs> and they didn't own the rights to that song. They eventually did. Yeah, I was about to So I will say that that is a, one of those crooner songs, like, you know, like Frank Sinatra kind of Rosemary Clooney time period song. So... I think she needs to change her name. Rosemary? Yeah, Rosemary Clooney. It sounds too much like Rosemary's Baby. Well, Rosemary came, Clooney came before Rosemary's Baby, and she's no longer with us. Neither of those two things are my fault. <laughs> All right, well, I'll let you go fight George with that. I will. <laughs> hey, George, I got some questions for you. I say George like he's my friend. Yeah, Georgie. <laughs> Georgie. Hey. Hiya, Georgie. Hey, Georgie. <laughs> Come down here with the balloons. They all float. They all float too. 
I like the, I like You'll it. float too. Yeah, that was creepy. It was, it, the, it, I didn't see the second one, by the way, but the first one was definitely creepy. But so, the uh, the original with with our boy. Mr. Curry? Mr. Curry. I think that was still the best and creepiest. Different feel completely. And honestly, you know, there, there was a, alluding to Bev's relationship with her father in the Tim Curry one. Mm-hmm. But you never kind of got like the full abuse that you would find in the, the remake. Yes, yeah, like, it's like I knew something was wrong there, but the remake was just. I just mean the clown, like the kid, the kids in that whole situation was better in the remake. I mm-hmm. think it had more of a kind of stranger things vibe to it. Really well-made movie. So I think that the remake is probably a better movie, but it Pennywise in the original, I thought was creepier. So in the robbery scene, it was really Kevin Klein who shot the crossbow at the sensor. Mm-hmm. He, he got the shot on his second take. That's actually pretty impressive because that's a tricky shot. And I rewatched it. And it's really impressive, but kind of annoying. You can't see his face when he shoots it. So you have really no way of confirming that it was him. Yeah, it could have been any extra who is a marksman. But it wasn't. It was the man himself. So my second to last trivia, Michael Palin founded the London Center for Stammering Children after a group of stutterers confronted him regarding the sensitivity with which he dealt with Ken Pyle's handicap in the movie. Yeah, actually, um, to briefly flash ahead with my review, I I do have something to say about that and my things that need to be changed part of the analysis. Yeah, maybe we should save it for then. Okay. Trivia over. Woo! Marathon. Nope. (laughs) I can't believe I'm still doing that. So, act three movie analysis. Mm -hmm. Allison, what the bloody mother hecking shit was your... Language. Nostalgia for this movie. It was an 8 out of 10. That's what your heart beats for this movie. Yes, 8 out of 10. 8 out of 10. Mm-hmm. And I also thought that your heart would beat the same as mine. An 8 out of 10? Let me see if you're right. <laughs> well, even if I am or not, you won't be able to tell me till later. I will tell you that you are not right. No, but that could mean anything. That could mean anything. But it's likely <laughs> too high. <laughs> But I guess we will see. We'll see. So let's get on to the timestamps of this movie. What the bloody heck is your first timestamp? That was very aggressive. Thank you. <laughs> it wasn't something to be thankful. Thank you. <laughs> you know, Ken and his love of animals. I think this is really where I connected with the Ken character. And Otto is just so insufferable. <laughs> so are we looking forward to a hate award for Klein? I'm not going to say. Okay. But love to hate. Really like animals. Don't <laughs> I gotta say, <laughs> I love his character. <laughs> I knew you would. I absolutely knew you would. <laughs> he's so convinced that he's intelligent. <laughs> I think one of my favorite parts is the timestamp I have, so I won't get too much into it. Which is Aristotle was not a Belgian. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I was thinking the same thing, and that's just crazy. But he is just like so very American, including just hey Ken, hey Ken, what are you doing? Like he's just always got this kind of booming voice, like he's got to take up the whole room. So the song from Pirates of Pan Sands, the Officer Major General song, uh-huh. he, uh, the Officer Major General interacts with the pirate, head of the pirates. That is Kevin Klein. Kevin Klein was in Pirates of Pan Sands? Mm-hmm. Oh. Pan Sands. Sure, why not? <laughs> I haven't seen it. I don't know. I've got yeah. no respect for it. I'll mispronounce it in any number of ways. But you loved Officer Major General. That's true. Because he is a very model of an officer. And I won't mispronounce that. Yeah. <laughs> but you can. What's the attraction? Because you could 
trust him and they don't. Shit on you? Show off. All the time. You know what Nietzsche said about them? He Insects. said they were God's second blunder. Bye, sis. Well, you tell him from me, but I can, I, I can show him. Bye, George. You talk to mom. Tell her I said hi. Okay. Don't let him touch you. One more day. We're together. That was ADR. So, <laughs> the look that she gives. No, okay, so this has just come up naturally in the movie, so I do want to talk about the, the stuttering mm -hmm. and its uh, relation to the comedy of the scene. So, in my opinion, I don't know if it was intended to be funny. In my, in my opinion, the stuttering was just a character yeah. choice. It never seemed like it was the joke. Yeah, it, it, it was just a personal affliction. Like, it, it wasn't supposed to be, oh, because he's stuttering, it's funny. It's, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Look at this guy who stutters. What a dummy. So uh, well, that was never the joke. Towards the end of the film, there's an interaction between Cleese or Archie Leach and Ken where he's trying to get information about where Wanda and Otto... You're going to have to use actor names. I have no idea who you're talking about. Okay, uh, Cleese and... Michael Palin? Yes. Okay. So Cleese and Palin are having a conversation trying to find out where Kevin Klein and Jamie Lee Curtis have gone towards right. the end of the film. Okay. And what ends up happening is obviously Michael Palin is stuttering through it because in high stress times, people stutter more. It's less controllable. Right. And in that scene, he said he had to cut out, I think, seven minutes of him trying to berate Michael Palin to getting information mm -hmm. until they got that kind of more condensed clip because he's like, it just was a bit much. Right. Well, so and and even in that scene and scenes where Kevin Klein is giving him shit for his mm -hmm. condition, the joke is still never that he's stuttering. Mm -hmm. The joke is that Otto's a dick. That Otto is a dick. Mm -hmm. That's the joke. And later when when John Cleese is trying to interrogate him and he can't get the words out, the joke is John Cleese's impatience. Yeah, no, he's trying. He's so trying hard. so hard to so remain hard. patient, and he's just—it keeps bursting through that he yeah. can't be patient. He's like, "Will you? Sorry, sorry." <laughs> right. So, I, I, in my opinion, I don't think that is an unethical character choice mm -hmm. for the for the movie. Don't uh, <laughs> ever, ever, ever call me stupid. Okay. So something that I That's don't George's know lawyer. about uh, British the law, must be the barrister. are barristers really such don't celebrities in England that this would be a thing? No, I don't think so. That's why he was confused. Barney, <laughs> you let me know if anything unexpected turns yes. Excuse me. Okay. Don't I recognize you? I mean, maybe they've got their equivalents of like so. Science and Kirk. Oh. <laughs> and Miles. But you are a famous barrister, aren't you? Um, well, hardly. Well, could I have your autograph anyway? Uh, yes, yes, certainly. Thanks. I'm studying aspects of your legal system. I'm American. Oh, really? Mm. I've only just started, though. It's fascinating. What, um, what brings you here? Oh, it's a, it's a little embarrassing. I have a friend. Oh. Mm. Oh, I see. Well, there you are. I knew it! You're Archie Leash! Leach. Right. Why would she have thought that I, was? I saw leash? you in court. <laughs> Maybe it's a bad uh, signature. Uh, two weeks ago. <laughs> uh, the casino break in. Oh, you were great. Uh, well. Oh, I'm a big fan of. She's yours. got my mom's haircut. I love the way you uh, <laughs> cross-examine. 
Oh, I really admire your work. Thank you. <laughs> so humble and British. Well, I better That's not keep you, you in no, no, <laughs> <laughs> That was my timestamp. <laughs> I don't suppose you did no, 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 of course not. No, no. <laughs> he swallows it so quickly. <laughs> yeah, he, he is so prepared for rejection. <laughs> Thank you for this. I'll treasure it. I do like his acting. You speak French too. <laughs> See, this is a love movie. Yeah, when I was doing my ratings at the end, I was tempted to just call this a comedy. It's kind of a romantic comedy. <laughs> I love that he's got the bag on the car as he drives away. <laughs> so I will say that the original release of this movie, they had to change it because it didn't market well with the original dark ending. So, I didn't know that. Yeah, Why so wasn't that in your trivs? It should have been. Continue. <laughs> so uh, Jamie Lee Curtis actually was wearing shark booties. Like they were shoes that were made to look like sharks on her feet. And the original ending of the film, you were supposed to see her get on the plane and the end of, like, he gets on the plane after the whole cement roller scene. Yeah. Um, it's supposed to pan down to her feet with the sharks, and it's supposed to flash up, you know, and Wanda took him for everything he was worth. Like, that she got she got it at the end. So it wasn't really their love. Because, you, you know, at the end of the movie, they have in blue writing what happens to the characters. Uh, oh, do it? Do it? Do it? It do. <laughs> well, I did not notice this. Yeah. Uh, I must have died or something. Yeah, so at the very end when the plane's taking off and Otto kind of rolls off the, the wing, it panned to her feet and it said basically she took Archie for all he's worth. It, it's a, it betrays the love story. Like it turns her into like the femme fatale that gets it all in the end. Gotcha. Okay, so it shows Otto dying and then it says in text that she took Archie for what he had. Yeah, and that didn't respond well to audiences they thought that it was too dark even though it was just like a really quick snippet mm. so they changed it and they didn't even focus on her shoes or anything like that i have to say by the end of the movie i was rooting for john cleese i wasn't rooting for jamie lee curtis anymore were you ever rooting for curtis i was always rooting for cleese yeah no i was i was rooting for her I mean, I was also honestly rooting for ken. uh yeah uh, no not for ken never for ken i don't care about him he was <laughs> No, he was trying to kill animals. That he guy's... wasn't trying to. The whole point was Look, he, he was, was really not successful. I think to. it was an act. I think he really hates animals. <laughs> Man, he's under deep cover. <laughs> <laughs> Real deep cover. Plastered posters around his uh, apartment or his flat. Yeah, to to not hurt them. No, he wants to. He uses them as punching bags. He walks by and punches their pictures. He got affronted when Klein threw a knife at the seal pup picture. Yeah, it wasn't he's because like, he damaged oh. the picture. It's because he put a hole in his wall. Oh. I mean, who throws a knife at another person's wall? Yeah, really. You're, you're never going to get your security deposit back. The truth is, I think he really respected him for hitting the seal, but he damaged his wall. So, <laughs> you know, what are you going to do? No, but uh, yeah, so I, I think I was, I was kind of rooting for all those characters. But at the very end, when Klein died, and it was very obvious that there were, I think from the very beginning of the movie, you see that she wanted to hit Klein on the back of the head mm -hmm. when they were opening the safe. Mm -hmm. And she was going to take the stuff and run. So I always knew that she wasn't really, you know, loyal to him. But how could you with someone like Otto? <laughs> like, I just, <laughs> I mean, he spoke Italian. So, so, you know, that made her knees buckle. <laughs> so, 
Good Lord. It, it'd be uh, bad and good to have such a great, easy tricker. Yeah. It, <laughs> it's a little bit risky just in case yeah. you go to Italy. Yeah, or little Italy. <laughs> <laughs> or little Italy. You got to take a quick cab through that town. It's like, keep going, driver. <laughs> keep going. Oh, God, stop. <laughs> don't roll down the window. Don't roll down the window. <laughs> Not again. This is a very inappropriate time. Well, better open the door now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. Can you imagine, like, if you had, like, a family member that passed and you're at a funeral and it's like a Latin service. Like she's being trouble. <laughs> Sorry, this took a weird turn. <laughs> oh, Reverend. <laughs> Take me now. I'm a man of the cloth. I belong to you. Take the cloth off. <laughs> anyway. Oh, it was horrible, Ken. It was just I do like the way that she does her play acting when it's the the kind of dramatic irony where you know what she's up to but the other characters don't. Mm-hmm. They really buy it. Like yeah, anything but she herself. plays it. She plays it well usually. Yeah. I mean, she kind of overacts the crying when she leaves when she's in the wig and she leaves uh, uh, John Cleese in the street. Okay, when when she's attacked in the courtroom and she's going into the restroom. Oh gosh, thank you for all. <laughs> but I do I like the way that she flips when she's going from character to character. It's it's pretty funny. But okay, so here this is uh, twenty four thirty eight. He's sitting on a toilet just like with his pants like completely up. Like. And then he flushes the toilet anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Can we talk about the ugly wallpaper for a second? Sure. I was actually, I was kind of rewatching it before you came over. And that's very noticeable. Yeah. Was this attractive for the time in the 80s? Was this good? Well, in the five years I was in the 80s. Uh, so I Did you hear rumors of other people <laughs> who spent more time in the 80s? Okay. <laughs> Let me talk to my sister. Uh, no, uh, there's. I remember our first house in the United States in uh, Maryland. My mom was oh, I'm very- sorry, Maryland is in the United States? Well, so we moved here from Germany okay. and our first house in the state of Maryland gotcha. within the United States. It is within then. Yes. Okay. Good. Yes. It's a land of Mary's. That sounds really politically incorrect. <laughs> That's not how I meant it. Okay. Like I just, anyway. Uh, <laughs> so in our first house, I remember my mom like methodically picked and put up all of these different wallpapers. And I just remember the next house we moved in, it was less wallpaper and more colorful paint. And then the last house, no more wallpaper. So like, it's almost like a timeline of when wallpaper became out of fashion. And now there's fashionable wallpaper that's come back. I don't believe it. Textured like velvet. Ew. (laughs) That's going to, Oh my God. Why? In another 30 years, mm-hmm. houses that do that, it's going to be like going back to a house from the 70s, the 1970s, I should say. When I bought my my current residence in the basement, there was uh, wood paneled walls. That's what I'm saying. It's, and in pop ceilings. I'm like, nope. Why was pop ceilings ever a thing? Cheap. Stupid. Ch- stupid and cheap. They go together often. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Anywho. Anyway, so, uh, so uh, wallpaper, yes, very, very stupid, very stupid, and dumb and stupid. I think the first time we've complained about wallpapers was in A Tale of Two Sisters because that was that made the house creepier. The wallpaper they had, although I did like their house, that was a nice big house. 
very elegant wood flooring yeah. when it wasn't bleeding. Very elegant. <laughs> very elegant almost everything in their house. Yeah. Big, no. big wood tables, strong. And I loved how they served their, their meals, that kind of family style with like just like individual smaller dishes of like rice and different vegetables. And stuff. Oh, yes. So anyway, you've got Klein here sitting on a toily mm-hmm. and <laughs> with full pant on. And he's staring Ken Dodd in the face. You know, when you're that tall, is every potty a squatty potty? Yeah. I mean, not that I would know, but it, seem, it seems like that would be the case. But I just, I love that he looks like he was just waiting to be found. He's kind of posing in a very well-postured sit. Yeah. With yeah. pant on, then flushes the toilet, and then delivers these lines. Isn't it terrible about George? When I find the bastard who squealed, I love that man! (laughs) When I find the bastard that squealed, I love that man! Why would he say that? He just met him. Uh, That's for American and boisterous. It's a little over the top. What are you doing here? What am I doing here? Wanda was upset, Ken. She needed to talk to family. He oh, also sh- has the ugliest hat in the world. Yes, he does. He just had a sh- shower. I've got to speak to you. All right, you- so... What's the matter with you, Ken? Can't you think about her feelings? There's something f- funny going on. Oh, dear, oh, dear, oh, dear. You don't even know why you're excited, do you? <laughs> so the- Ken, Ken, Ken! I didn't want to say anything while George was around, but... Isn't it time you faced up to certain realities, Ken? Come on. You're a very attractive man, Ken. You're smart. You've got wonderful bones, great <laughs> eyes, and you dress really interestingly. And you dress really interestingly. Boy, what is that? Come together, you and I. And I think it would be really good for you. Sorry. Sorry. No, when you got really into it, and I feel like... <laughs> did you, You've seen The Fifth Element, right? Uh, Yeah. Do you remember the scene where the president smashes a literal bug with his shoe, but the bug is carrying a microphone and it causes the microphone speakers to squeal out and they literally like jump off the head of the guy listening into the conversation? Oh, no, it's been a while since I've seen it. I don't remember that. I feel like that's what just happened. Like, oh, I feel like they just, like, <laughs> <laughs> that gets me every time. I've now seen that moment three times in the past two days and I get, <laughs> you've got really interest. You've got, uh, what does it say? Interesting bones? You've got. Wonderful bones. Wonderful eyes, bones. And you dress really interestingly. And you dress really interestingly. <laughs> we could have a lot of fun together, you and I. And I think we'd be really good for each other. What do you say? You must be... May I kiss you, Ken? No, you fucking cop! Just a pet! No time! Ken! I like how he's so smiling running down the stairs after. That's how you want predators to be. Sexual predators should run after you smiling. It really diffuses the situation. I love the scream. And we've got John Cleese. He just came back upstairs with some champagne. Yes. uh, Jamie Lee Curtis asked for something cool to drink. And because she was trying to hide the fact that Otto just broke into the house. Don't call me stupid. Don't ever call him stupid. He's got a, he's got several running g- gags throughout the movie. Asshole. What? <laughs> that killed me every time. Actually, it killed me more every time I heard it. <laughs> Especially, I think the last one, which you didn't see, you just heard. <laughs> just him getting blown off the wing of an airplane. <laughs> Is the implication that he doesn't know which uh, side of the road, or he doesn't yeah. want to do to conform to their side of the road? Listen. 
This is how we do it, asshole. Well, to be fair, the automobile was invented in America. Asshole. So if you're driving on the asshole. left side of the road, you're doing it wrong. I don't care what your laws say. The car was invented in America. You drive like an American. You know your problem? Tell me. You don't like winners. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> there was another thing where someone said, you know what your problem is? Yeah, I like to, I, I like to be right too often. Like, who answers that question? <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Cleese is walking into his room thinking Jamie Lee Curtis is waiting for a cool beverage. And instead it's his shrew of a wife. Champagne. Ah! <laughs> What's the matter? He could have been smoother. Yeah. What are you doing? She, <laughs> the jingling. She is very shrewd. Champagne. Yeah. She's hilarious, up. though. I, I like I her character. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, he is what a is cheating husband. Oh, yeah. But we're still rooting Locking for him. Normally, we don't root for the I cheater. Well, <laughs> because you are also given a window into why he may be cheating. They have it's a loveless. Yeah, they've got marriage. separate beds. They don't speak to each other in a romantic or caring way. She doesn't seem at all interested in his life or his and victories. And Portia in... is a spoiled brat. Oh, shut do shut up, Portia. So, do you think they had like sex once and got pregnant with Portia, and then just nope, that's it, we're done. <laughs> no, I <laughs> think beds. I think that his wife his wife had an affair with a more tan person. Yeah, so, I mean, I think that you can kind of see where he's coming from, so you can root for him. He seems like he's, you know, bedraggled in his life, and he's missing something. Mm -hmm. So it's not great that he's cheating, but... He has a yen for something more. I, and I will say that he did try to end it, because he's like, I, I'm not this person. Right. But he says he also says that he fell in love with her, so it's not like he's looking for a cheap bang. Yeah. You know? He, he really feels a connection. Yeah. So I, I feel for him. Well, nice to see you again. Um, how is the how is the opera then? It finished early. Didn't Whose it car is it? Fine. <laughs> beauty, isn't it? Where beauty. Do I my drink. He has to talk like this. Beauty, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I thought so too. I'm American. In case you couldn't tell. <laughs> Even your American was a little highbrow British American. Well, the kind of uh, the kind of talking that he does is very over enunciated. <laughs> it, it all the speech all comes from the throat. It almost is like a superhero, like a cartoon Superman from the 50s. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> ah. Don't you know? Don't How you do you know? do, Mrs. Leach? I'm uh, Harvey Manfrenjensen. I'm, uh, <laughs> There's always one yeah. extra syllable that I don't expect. <laughs> Harvey <laughs> Manfrenjensen. There's <laughs> 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 just a delay and then there's one extra. Hey. Correct, ma'am. I was, uh... I, and I, I love the way that she interacts with him and then mm. starts to interrogate him. Yeah. Just telling your husband here before I, uh, <clears throat> had to go to your beautiful bathroom. Beautiful. Uh, we've uh, got a high-ranking KGB defector in a safe house near here. We're debriefing him as of now, and, uh, we're just, uh, checking all the houses in the neighborhood. For what? For KGB. Is there any danger? No, 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 uh... No, no, not now. Uh, we uh, we uh, just want to keep everyone. He pauses in to think. I love that he, he actually looks down. Like, uh, yes. Yeah, <laughs> so, Archie, thanks for the drink. Uh, sorry to have troubled you, folks. I'll see myself. Uh, up. Keep everyone informed. So there's no panic, ma'am. But isn't it a secret? You have no idea how secret. Well, why are you telling everyone? It's a smokescreen. <laughs> <laughs> it's, a sm 
<laughs> he says with a question mark at the end. You tell me. I don't know. Double bluff. A double bluff. Look, you obviously don't know anything about intelligence work, lady. It's an XK Red 27 technique. My father was in the Secret Service, Mr. Manfred Jinsinjan, and I know perfectly well that you don't keep the general public informed when you are debriefing KGB defectors in a safe house. Oh, you don't, huh? Not unless you're congenitally insane or irretrievably stupid, no. Uh-oh. Irretrievably stupid. Don't call me stupid. It's a don't trigger. Don't call me stupid. Don't you dare. Why on earth not? Why on earth not? Oh, you <laughs> English are so <laughs> superior, aren't you? Well, would you like to know where you'd be without us, the old U.S. of A, to protect you? Tell her. I'll tell you. The smallest fucking province in the Russian Empire. Tell her. That's what. So don't call me stupid, lady. Just thank me. Well, thank you for popping in and protecting us. If it wasn't for us, you'd all be speaking German. Singing Deutschland, Deutschland, Uber, yeah. brother, he's coming for me. Get rid of your wife and get my necklace. Am I self, darling? <laughs> well, who is that shouting? Uh, the, the brother of a, of, a, of, a, of a friend of mine. Oh, gee, who on earth? I don't know, extraordinary. He, he ran- so, wait, wait. she's supposed to be 6'1? Mm-hmm. What the hell on earth is she? Well, she's not 6'1 there. She's six, like, she's still a kid here. She looks like she's 16 ish, 17 ish, probably full height for a female lady. 17. Uh, sometimes <laughs> people do have growth spurts in. Uh, w- women? Women mature faster, than, go through puberty faster than. Male boys. So I will say uh, I knew people in college who randomly in college spurted a little bit. I think that usually happens at parties. <laughs> well, then she, the, her mom must be the same height or slightly less tall than John Cleese, but has heels on or something. Probably also heels. So, But she also seemed like she was less tall than Klein, who's shorter than Cleese. I think Klein is like 6'2". She's 5'10". So I just think that when... She's got platforms on. And I, you know, that this film may have been filmed earlier than the release date. So, I mean, at 16, she could have still been getting taller. Mm-hmm. What? She's just shorter Let's go to the him. pub. Get a drink there. Would you like to come, Portia? I haven't been to the pub for 15 years. No, it would be rather nice for Portia to see it now, wouldn't it, darling? Honestly, Archie. I love <laughs> Sorry, I just messed up a good moment. <laughs> when she closes the door and he screams again at nothing. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Oh. Anyway, no, I like that you're so entertained. I, I'll play that back so we can actually see the scene. <laughs> but uh, I just before that, he's like bending down, like cringing at his daughter. I love the physical acting of John Cleese. He did that a lot in Faulty Towers as well. Like he is great at kind of bending down, using his yeah in that way. But he's so flipping tall, so he looks very comical and he does it. <laughs> Anyway, so here I'll run it back here. He rang the bell and I, I, I opened the drink. door. Well, let's go to the pub. What? Uh, let's go to the pub. Get a drink there. Would you like to come, Portia? I've been to the pub for fifteen years. No, it would be rather nice for Portia to see it now. Would you Honestly, Archie. <laughs> 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 thought, thought the picture was falling off the wall. Will you pull yourself together? No, it's all right. It's, it's quite secure now. Hey, what's this? Oh, yes, thanks, Portia. Well, well done. Okay, um, coming with us. What was that? <laughs> kind of necklace. Uh, What's going on? Uh, uh, nothing, dear. Right, uh, let's go. Can I see that? What? In your hand. Your other hand. <laughs> Portia, go to your room. Oh, we're going to the park. Uh, darling, I can explain everything. I left some papers at the office now, oh. and they sent a new girl. <laughs> he plays a really good powerless man. <laughs> Yeah. The, the women are just powerhouses, even Portia. Oh, do shut up, Portia. Oh, do shut up, Portia. She's the original shut up, Meg. Kind of, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, ah, 
No, really, she's Canadian, and she mentions it's it was her birthday. So we thank you. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> he is so shocked. Oh, it's even got a worth of Wendy. Oh, I'm so glad you like it, darling. Oh. It's the most beautiful thing you've ever given me. Mm. Mm. So, I have a timestamp here also, and listen to her moans. I think that you can moan in another accent. She has a very English moan. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to close my eyes and really focus on yep, it. Yep, yep, everyone, do the same. I'm going to turn up the volume. Unless a you're driving, don't close your eyes. No, no, close your eyes and pay, pay attention. Actually, I can probably be sued for recommending you close yeah, your eyes. Well, don't, that's why I said don't if you're driving. Keep one eye closed. The Unless other, you're like... The other eye is up to you. You can do whatever you want with that other eye. I recommend both hands on the wheel and both eyes wide open. <laughs> Blink if you need to. <laughs> no, no, put your hands up to the Lord and close your eyes. <laughs> so, anyway. Local podcast sued. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody listens to this. No one's going to sue us. Here we go. Listen to moaning. Oh, Archie. This isn't like you. Oh, Archie. <laughs> it's like British porn. There we are. <laughs> there we are. <laughs> well done. Are you Oh, Archie. <laughs> Doesn't that sound like British moaning? Yeah, it does. It does. Yeah. I, I mean, but there's, yeah, it, especially that very posh British accent, I yeah. think is very identifiable. So what would a Cockney moan sound like? <laughs> a little bit more brusque, a little bit harsher. Yeah. It's like Welsh. Welsh moaning would be awesome. <laughs> Although they have like rhyming slang, so they'd have to find something that rhymes with a normal moan. Oh, gosh. that That's too cumbersome of a thought. So instead of an M sound, it would be an N sound, maybe. <laughs> Very constipated moaning. <laughs> that's how the Cockneys do. <laughs> it's not my fault. I didn't ask them to. Go. Go. We're dumb. <laughs> the idea of a man thrusting, going go. <laughs> oh God, it's terrible. It's terrible. It's really sorry because in my head, who I'm who I'm seeing is the uh, the the football hooligan, the the one that was in the heist episode of Psych, where they Bullet go to Tooth England. Tony. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know his real name. I always call him Bullet Tooth Tony. Yeah, but just him doing that, just like the Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he gets he gets a bird back to his house. Go! Go! <laughs> Oh, man. We love you. Come on our show. Yeah. <laughs> Bullet Tooth Tony, if you would like to come on our show, forget the fact that I don't know your real name. Yeah. Cleese, you are also welcome. Oh, my God. Can you imagine? I Can think he would die. I, I would think I would die. have to float the conversation. <laughs> Never meet your heroes. <laughs> that and Stephen Fry. I'm not sure I could speak. I just feel, I love you. You're a wonderful person. Can I hug you? You'll have to bend down several feet. <sighs> Anywho. 54, 14. This is what I call poor Ken. Every time something happens to one of the three Yorkies, even though they weren't really very nice dogs, he just seems to suffer. And he has this so pitiable face though he's the one that kills them Again, pity the dogs nothing What's pity that? the dogs pity the owner of the dogs not granny uh not yet oh no who's it for then 
A fa... Uh, a fish. Fa. A Frenchman. A phone operator. Friend. Oh, a four-legged one? Oh, <laughs> where's my sister? She's in the... So, another point about the, the stuttering versus comedy here. I don't. I still don't think that the, the stutters are being played for laughs. I think him being a douchebag is being played for laughs. But also, the cruelty is funny. So being cruel to somebody who doesn't deserve it is funny. Like punching a kid in a movie. Oh my God. It's hilarious. Like Always Sunny in Philadelphia had, had a scene where Charlie and Mac go, there was some kid that was bullying them, which is a, another funny story, but they go back for revenge. And you're not really sure, like, are they going to take their bike or something like that? But they end up punching and throwing around all the kids. And I die laughing watching that scene every time. Because <laughs> punching down, in a way, is its own joke. I see. I think that's funny. That's always funny. Cruelty is just funny. So him making fun of the stutter, I think, could be funny because he doesn't deserve it. And that's the joke. Mm. Okay. Right. I, I could see that. Right. Yeah. Oh, she's going to have a heart attack. But perhaps she's got emergency like, medication. He just has one of those faces, like, where it's so... Like, <laughs> He's just got a hangdog look about him. Yeah, and, and now at the dog funeral one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think at this point you give up. <laughs> you give up on your schemes. Yeah, or just get better schemes, like you said. Wait till she's alone. Yeah, but, wait till she doesn't so have the dogs. Th- she, he's overwatching this very formal funeral for a dog. I'm surprised that they found a priest willing to do it because a lot of priests, a lot of religions don't, Christian-based religions don't believe that animals have souls. So the fact that they were willing to... Well, they are also very into receiving donations. So awesome. maybe she made a handsome donation to their chapel. She does look of wealth. She reeks of it. Mm-hmm. Why, in the, the last death of the dog, where he shoots the piano and it goes down mm-hmm. and such, wasn't a piano, but it might as well have been. Why didn't he just shoot her? Uh, I think... He it was trying the, to make the, it look like goal, an accident, yeah. I guess, but... Because they didn't want the head thief uh further implicated if she was off it had to look not obviously a hit so poisoner or something was was the sniper rifle silenced a a bullet is still obvious yeah so i don't know how that wasn't going to be still implicating yeah maybe people wouldn't be looking for a bullet in this case it just looked like a i mean it's high up to see a bullet hole i suppose But still, if someone dies, you're going to do some amount of investigating. Like what happened to the rig? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So the block was shot and they're going to look at the block and say, okay, this thing splintered in the middle. Which is a little unusual. Yeah. See this puppy dog face. Dust to dust. Michael Palin is sneaking up to the funeral, hiding behind a crooked tree so bad i love him he killed the dog he didn't mean to like he he feels genuinely contrite he's a three-time dog murderer and i feel bad for him because i know that it was not something he wanted to happen and yet his schemes were so stupid that they led to the death of a dog three times Mm -hmm. he he needs to be your hate award or your whole worldview is inconsistent no because the the murders of the dogs were not intentional and just how bad he feels about it. Like, it just, I just feel bad for him. So if there's a serial accidental murder, murderer who feels bad for it, who's killing people, you'd feel bad for them? Well, 
when you say a serial I mean, he accidental is also, murder. He's also trying to kill an old lady. Yeah, but... He's trying to real murder, and then he accidentally murders three dogs. Can there be a vegan murderer? And then is happy that she has a heart attack at the end. He's not a good man. I didn't say he's a good man, but I can feel... He has this, like, puppy dog empathetic face that you just kind of feel bad for. Mm. I don't know, man. I think there's some sort of evolutionary uh, the reptile brain response here instead of the logical, which is he's he's an immoral, murdering animal maniac. He wants to kill all dogs and seals everywhere, but instead you like him because he's got a cute little face. So my next timestamp isn't one that we necessarily need to watch, but I needed to identify it because I had a massive problem with it. Oh, okay. At 5645, Wanda, Curtis's character, not the fish, approaches Cleese's Riverside condo. And she puts perfume on and she puts it on her legs, her chest, her neck. <laughs> and? Her mouth. Yeah. What the actual fuck? So I, I've done that before. Before, I like when I was real young and I didn't know what it was going to do, it mm-hmm. tastes awful. Yeah. Well, so I looked it up because I was like, is that safe to do? Do people do this? Like, And someone said that one or two sprays is safe. However, you want to drink a lot of water because it's actually a higher level alcohol concentrate and you can get drunk from it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not that you want to. In children, we do not advise that. (laughs) But, like, just, I can't, what what was the point? Like, unless it was a mint perfume. Maybe she was trying to get crunk. Which is another thing. Like, it just, Like, it's, have you ever sprayed bug spray and, like, got it on your neck and you can taste it on the inside of your mouth? I imagine that's what perfume in your mouth, kind of, like, that kind of enveloping. It's very bitter. Yeah. It's very, very bitter. There's, like, um. But also, not only are you doing that to yourself, but if you are intending on kissing somebody, they're going to taste it. Yeah, and there's, like, ammonia in perfume, like, like. (laughs) Yeah, I have absolutely no idea why she did that. Yeah, it just. It doesn't smell nice either. It doesn't smell, like, minty like you'd want your mouth to smell. Again, like, unless it is a mint perfume or like she was spraying herself with mint essential oil in which case you still don't want to put essential oils in your mouth they're for external purposes well yeah so i am on your side on that i think that's ridiculous and she should go to prison well i I appreciate you being on my side for once Uh, i've probably been on your side (laughs) twice (laughs) you're welcome (laughs) (laughs) so uh cleese and curtis are in his riverside condo and klein is about to make an appearance well, this isn't his Riverside condo. It's a friend of his who's in Hong Kong, right? Yes, he borrowed the key. Right. No. He's no idea? He doesn't have a clue. What? <laughs> he is so dumb. So by the end of the movie, they end up on the plane together. Mm-hmm. And it seems like there's a genuine connection between them. Mm-hmm. Unless she's still just playing him and she's going to take him for everything he has in Brazil. Or is that Rio de Janeiro. Rio de Janeiro. So perhaps there's still a, a con going on, mm-hmm. but maybe not. If she, Do you think she has genuine feelings? I think there's times where she taps into it, like there's a genuine kind of connection there. I think she's a very self-serving person, mm-hmm. um, but I think towards the end she genuinely... And I'm wondering if that started to happen around here, but... She does soften to him. Yeah. Letting her guard down and actually having fun with it. Really? He thought that the Gettysburg Address was where Lincoln lived. <laughs> and surely he he would live in the White House. Nah, not the Gettysburg Address. Yeah, the White House is, as we all know, in Gettysburg. 
Gettysburg Lane. Yeah, one Gettysburg Lane. That's where the White House is. <laughs> Terrible life. He told about the CIA. <laughs> so painful. And when he heard your daughter's name was Portia, yeah. he said, why did they name her after a car? <laughs> And then Brother Man uh, takes takes uh, Sister out. Like a marionette. I love this fight. What have you done with her? She's all right. Otto. Now, apologize. Otto. What? Apologize. Oh, Are you totally deranged? Look at that still frame. <laughs> <laughs> the yes, answer is yes. yes. Yeah. <laughs> Pompous, stuck-up, snot-nosed, English, giant, twerp, <laughs> scumbag, fuck-faced, dickhead, asshole. How very interesting. I really want to You're... take that rant and make it like my ringtone. <laughs> <laughs> that would be a great ringtone, honestly. You fuck <laughs> True Bulgarian, aren't you? You are the Bulgarian, you fuck. You fuck. Now apologize. What, uh, me to you? <laughs> he looks like he's doing a bad Robert Downey Jr. impersonation. Oh, I love it. Apologize. <laughs> so look at his face here. This is I think I was trying to say this earlier and I, we got sidetracked. But if you look at his face, you can see all the blood rushing to his face. It's oh. definitely real. All right, all right. I apologize. Really sorry. I'm really, really he's sorry. Being hung out I apologize window. unreservedly. <laughs> You take it back. <laughs> I do. I offer a complete and utter retraction. The imputation was totally without basis in fact and was in no way fair comment and was motivated purely by malice. And I deeply regret any distress that my comments may have caused you or your family. And I hereby undertake not to repeat any such slander at any time in the future. Okay. <laughs> you had to think about it. Like, is there a loophole in there? It's a, All right. Is there a backhanded insult in there? So what are you going to do about it, huh? What would an intellectual do? What would Plato do? He's got a whole book on apologetics. Apologies. Pardon me? Apologies. What? Apologize. Right. I'm sorry. No, not to me, to Archie, and make it good, or we're dead. <laughs> oh, I'm so very, 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 <laughs> very struggle here. Fuck you! <laughs> <laughs> I'm very, very. 
the rage bursted forward. Fuck you. All right, so my next one. This is when they have gone back to the little summer house, mm-hmm. and Archie is about to speak Italian to Juanda, and Juanda is upstairs about to undress herself so that she can dance naked and take this man for all he's got. Mm-hmm. I don't know. No vision to be. Why do I like you so much? Archie. Hmm? Do you speak Italian? I am Italian. Sono italiano in spirito. Ma ho esposato una donna che preferisce lavorare nel giardino a far l'amore appassionato un spallo grande. But it's such an ugly language. So what he really said there, I say really, I mean in English. Uh-huh. <laughs> what he was trying to say, but he had some stupid language that he was trying to... Anyway, what he said in English was, I married a woman who prefers working in a garden to making passionate love. Big mistake. <laughs> Which is true. Yeah. How about Russians? <laughs> Yeah, it's just any other language than English gets her going. She's about to hump a rope. I will say that's the ugliest outfit I've ever seen, is what she's wearing. Oh, what she's wearing? Mm -hmm. So, I don't know about his underwear choice, but... Lavender? Is that lavender? Mm -hmm. I'm so colorblind. That looks gray to me. It's kind of like a grayish lavender. He's in pretty good shape. Mm Mm-hmm. Like, if you just looked at his face, you would think he's somewhat out of shape. He's not fat. Yeah, or, but his, I, I, there's like a. I guess actual, it's just age or something that's making him look a little jowly or something. Mm. Prime of his life. What is she doing up there? She's having a good time. No, but honestly, what was she just doing? She was like licking, and I, you could see a little bit of spittle or something coming out of the side of her mouth. I, I, I don't know. I don't have the similar reaction to languages she does, so I don't know if maybe it's... Language like, doesn't make you drool? No. No. Unless he was going through that list of, you know, menu items like Klein was when he was like... <laughs> Mozzarella. <laughs> Cannoli. <laughs> so, it's a weird fetish. <laughs> speaking of, a whole family and I think a realtor or somebody mm-hmm. has just walked in and are now staring at John Cleese. And he's staring back, mouth agape. Fully nude. Fully nude with his nudeness hanging no out. No socks on. No pantaloons covering his giblets. Nope. And the young girl has now peered at his peenie, and he covers it with the A portrait, portrait. of the mama. <laughs> what the hell are you doing? I might ask you the same question. Imagine a man in that position being indignant at someone else. <laughs> Who are you? What? Get your clothes on. Will you leave immediately, please? What? Look, even if he is in the wrong Mm -hmm. and this family has just they've come in because they've rented the place. You come in and see a naked man. You leave. Just just walk out for a bit until he can compose himself and then we'll figure things out. (laughs) Especially get your kids out of there. Yeah. (laughs) Flat. This flat belongs to Patrick Balfour. He's in Hong Kong and he lent me the key. Now get out. We leased it from the agents last weekend. Look, while we're discussing it, these children are just staring at a strange naked man. Yeah. And then he gets recognized, and that's very awkward and uncomfortable. Yeah. <laughs> Especially since he's the famous barrister. Exactly. Everybody in the world knows about Archie Leach. The barrister. The barrister. How embarrassing for No, him. that's... that's we're not going to do that. No, 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 no. <laughs> my na- <laughs> my- Let me have my fun. <laughs> no! Not if it's going to be that bad. 
Oh, she just made a face like she's got a warhead in her mouth. <laughs> oh, I wish. All right. So my next one is 139. And you're feeling fine. Uh, your next one, you said you had one more? 140.59. So I think yours will hit mine. Okay. They're all running around the airport. And the brother finds Stephen Fry, none other than Stephen Fry, mm-hmm. who's trying to catch his flight. No Mr. Laurie, though. All right, so we're skipping over all the scenes where stupid man, what do you call him, Ken? Ken, Ken. Pyle? Mm-hmm. Pyle is just a bad last name. <laughs> but anyway, we're skipping over all his scenes where he ineptly tries to murder an old lady and instead murders three dogs. And then is tortured with fries up his nose. and He deserves it. Hang on. Oop, I got to stop for this moment. How do you do? I'm George's barrister. Uh, what's happened? <laughs> see, you didn't even see that one, but you know what happened. <laughs> Asshole! A mio. Asshole, yo mio. What's that from? That's from Ace Ventura. Yes. He's talking out of his butt. Yes. Yes. Asshole, a mio. Yeah. Good lord, he's tall. He had to bend like, down yeah. to not hit the door frame. They had to actually raise the minimum door frame height because of Stephen Fry in England. And then again, when uh, Steve Merchant was born. Yeah. They need yeah. to stop birthing Stevens there. They're too tall. <laughs> you need to put a cap on Stevens. <laughs> <laughs> You've got to put a limit on your Stevens. Jeez. Airport security, may I? So and he's, he had the audacity to wear vertical stripes to really elongate himself. <laughs> exactly. So Stephen Fry is 6'5". And he and uh, Kevin Klein is also almost eye to eye with him. So 6'2". So one of my favorite Klein roles was actually in the adaptation of uh, Midsummer Night Dream. So I heard that a trademark of Kevin Klein is that for his dramas, he's clean shaven. And for his comedies, he has a mustache. That would hold true of his role in Midsummer. So somewhat apropos of Shakespeare in general, time before last that I went to the Renaissance Festival, I saw an act there called Puke and Snot. I love Puke and Snot. I had never seen them before that. Oh, they do a lot of good pun humor. Oh my God, I was dying. Mm-hmm. Dying. I was in the audience dying. Mm-hmm. And I bought their DVD. Got a signed DVD of it. So Puke and Snot used to appear at every Maryland Renaissance Festival, but they have been away for quite some time, so I'm glad that they returned. Well, I saw I saw them a couple of years ago. Yeah, well, it was it, it's like mm. Hack and Slash were huge at the Renaissance Fair circuit, and then suddenly they stopped making appearances. Hack and Slash? I don't know if I saw them. They were a sword play whip comedy. I possibly did see them. I saw a sword swallower there who was very funny. Huh. And a magician who claimed that everything was for the kids. Like after everything he did, <laughs> it's he, for the kids. Yeah, he would. He'd get applause, and he'd be like, "It's for the kids. It's for the kids." <laughs> I don't know why, but it <laughs> cracked me up. Oh, gosh. Anyway, I want to go back to the Renaissance Festival. I know I miss it. I think I may have say, said this on the podcast before, but mm-hmm. they really need to open up real inns, and so you can rent a, a room at an inn and stay there overnight. So there is a township in Utah. That is actually a D and D immersive world. Like you walk in and everyone's in character and you can just have a conversation with someone at a tavern and find yourself on a quest. And it's different for every, it's kind of like Westworld, but more controlled. <laughs> you look really excited. So what you're telling me is you can't beat up uh, lady robots. Though? No, 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 not interested. <laughs> as long as the robots, <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, yeah, know, no, that I, sounds awesome. Anyway, so we've got Stephen Fry here. Mm-hmm. Kevin Klein has just come upon Stephen effing Fry. And stole his boarding pass. And Stephen stole my heart. Your boarding pass, please. Oh, yes, certainly, certainly. Very good. Now, would you mind stepping over here, please? Uh, yes, oh, look, the queen. Well. <laughs> <laughs> oh, look, the queen. Well. Where? <laughs> All this trick in the book. I know. This is just classic comedy. <laughs> Real slapstick stuff, but it was uh, well done. Perfect. And then why would you set the gun down bus behind yourself? Uh, so that it can be stolen. Yeah. Also because he's stupid. Ooh, right up his butt. John Cleese shoved the silencer right up his rectum. Right up Main Street. Oh, it's you. I was actually worried there for a minute. <laughs> yes, no. Put him up. I'll make a deal with you. Uh, I'll put one up. Put the other one up. Which looks better. I'm warning you, Otto. What are you going to do, Archie? Shoot me? Gun me down in cold blood like a dog? Hey! If you want to settle something with me, then why don't you fight me? You're a man, aren't you, Archie? And let's fight like men! Come on! You owe him nothing. I know. (laughs) I know, but I like that he thought that Kevin Klein's character would be a man of his word and that he would be fighting on equal playing ground. A little naive, I feel. Yes. Okay. Okay. So he puts the gun down and they start dosy doing with each other. That's right, Otto. I used to box for Oxford. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Well, I used to kill for the CIA. Now, get your hands up. No. You spineless bimbo. Why a bimbo? Out. Badly dressed, poverty... The badly burnt Albanian boy from the day before. ...sexually repressed football hooligan. Goodbye, Archie. Well, at least we're not irretrievably vulgar. You know your problem? You don't like winners. Winners? Yeah. Winners. Winners like North Vietnam? (gasps) Shut up! I didn't know he was so patriotic until that moment. Shut up! Don't you dare talk about our loss in Vietnam! I just want you to look at his face when it drops. Like, when he says that, like, just... It is a really good facial change. Like, he wasn't prepared for that insult. You want me to go back? Yeah, just just watch his face. You know, like, winners. Winners? Yeah. Winners. Winners like North Vietnam? (laughs) Shut up! Shut up! We did not lose. There's almost like there's pain and sadness in his eyes. It was a tie. It was a tie. We all decided that it was going to be over. And then John Cleese goes full American. Yeah. (laughs) I like his idea of an American, though. I'm telling you, baby, they kicked a little ass there. Boy, they whooped your hide real good. No, they didn't. (laughs) (laughs) That's his response, his intellectual witty response. No, they didn't. (laughs) No. Oh, no, they didn't. Oh, no, they didn't. Yes, they did. Oh, no, they (laughs) didn't. He snaps out of it. He has to actually physically shake his head. No, no, no. Goodbye, Archie. You gonna shoot me? Uh, Yes. Yes, friend, so, old chap. Sorry. So, I like that they're just sitting here. A man in an oil drum and another man pointing a gun at said man in the oil drum. Mm-hmm. Nobody around seems to have cared or reported the uh, situation. It's fine. I'm sure it's fine. That's all I've got. 
That's all I got. Well, let's continue on to act filler, the rose-tinted feelings. Yes. You ready? Yes. To be grilled like you've never been grilled before. Arraigned within an inch of my life. Was this movie as... First of all, when was the first time you saw this movie? Actually... Within the last five years. I, I saw it probably um, about five years ago. So your nostalgia rating is meaningless. Well, not exactly meaningless. It's There's like so- my nostalgia rating for Ghost in the Shell. <laughs> <laughs> means nothing. Well, it means something. Just not what you think it means. Means exactly squat. <laughs> I like how your uh, rebuttal is the Grinch. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, was this movie as good as you remember it then, five yeah. years ago? Yeah, I would say it, it is. Um, I, despite the animal deaths, it's still a movie I suggest to people, which says something, because it's me. Exactly. Game of Thrones. I suggest you keep going. I'll try. I'll try again. So, has your perspective on anything changed in the last five years? So, uh, actually, I would say yes in a way. I'm a little more sensitive to certain things, like the the making fun of someone who stammers. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I first watched Is it... Is there a difference between stuttering and stammering? I suppose not. So, stuttering... Um, I don't know. Yeah, I, I, I don't know either. Um, so, in, in this case with Ken's character... I felt more defensive of him than I did when I first watched it. Oh, I, I did. Well, I, I didn't watch it five years ago, so I don't know how I would have felt back then. But I definitely felt defensive of him. I felt bad for him, especially when he was being made fun of. However, I said cruelty is funny. Mm-hmm. So being cruel to someone who doesn't deserve it is funny. <laughs> but Unless I, you're the recipient. <laughs> well, yeah, I'm saying he doesn't deserve it. So, yeah. of course, in real life, it would be bad. But this is a comedy. Yeah. But I also don't feel bad for him because he was a murderer. He murdered animals and he attempted to murder an old lady. But he had the sweetest face. <laughs> so, so, Mr. Zack. Right. What are your overall thoughts? Cameo appearance by Stephen Fry. It's bound to increase a movie's rating by at least two points, mm-hmm, maybe mm-hmm. three. Ooh. So it's at least going to make a three. So so far we're looking better than Waxwork. <laughs> <laughs> and better than Best in Show. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think that's your new low standard. Yeah. I, I honestly can't believe that went lower than... Waxwork. No, Waxwork I loved. <laughs> it just, you know, technically wasn't great. Oh, your your heart rating is different than your Yeah, but yeah. but Temple of Doom is mm-hmm. was the standard for low ratings. But Best in Show went under it. I challenged myself, what could I find? <laughs> <laughs> That's worse than Temple of Doom. That was a difficult one. Uh. But you pulled it off. So <laughs> <laughs> immaculately just spectacularly. <laughs> so overall, I thought this movie was Pretty well done. Mm -hmm. I loved all the characters. I thought they were all kind of unique and I found them interesting for different reasons. I thought the interplay between the characters was well done because they made different kind of emotional stakes for each other. Mm -hmm. And uh, that was all to the the credit of the script. So overall, I'm hearing you hated it. Yeah, pretty much. (laughs) Take it back. (laughs) I can't take it back. (laughs) I don't want this to have happened to me anymore. Jesus, it's so dark. <laughs> anyway, so uh, yeah, and I, there were a lot of good running gags, such as assholes. <laughs> Don't call me stupid. <laughs> exactly. What else? I, I kind of listed some. Oh, yeah, and there was another one that was kind of more subtle. I don't know if you noticed it, but it was it, it, several times throughout the movie, someone would list a couple things, and he'd be like, what was the middle one? And, <laughs> and nobody would address it. <laughs> 
<laughs> oh man, I missed that. Yeah, he said it several times, like at least three or four times. Like someone would be like, so we can either do this, this, or this. Like he wasn't paying attention. He'd be like, what was the the middle one? Because <laughs> I think he, he I just. Do, I do remember that when the head back guy, the one that went to jail, whose name is for some reason escaping me, I think George. Oh yeah, it was. Yeah, and. <laughs> I remember that because they were going over the plan of how they were going to rob yeah. the, and he's like, and what was the middle bit? Yeah, and that was the like, first one. And then he blew up because he's like, I don't have time for this. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, that happened several times throughout the, the movie. I didn't actually, I didn't notice that it was a runner the first time I watched it, but as I was watching it for the second time, I noticed. Made me laugh. Um, so yeah, I thought that having those kind of recurring bits kind of got funnier every time, which doesn't always happen, but you know, John Cleese, he pulled it off. And did you know that John Cleese says that he's not the sole writer, even though he was? He credits 13 other people for adding stuff to the script, including the first AD and all the actors added stuff to the script. Excellent. I, I mean, I think that's very good of him. A lot of directors don't share share credit. Yeah. Did this contribute anything to cinema? Unfortunately, I don't think it did. It uh, contributed a new title. There'd never been a movie before called A Fish Called Wanda. So you're wrong there. Oh, yes, I suppose in that way. And uh, we never pulled a director out of retirement like that before. Or at least Cleese did not specifically pull Crichton out. It brought a lot to cinema. Yeah, I, I think uh, it was a good film overall. Great writing. Um, great pacing. Like, I thought the pacing of the movie was very good. Like, because yeah. it, it gave you the proper amounts of time to rest and then shocked you with like just some kind of body comedy or something like, um, but totally agree. I don't think it necessarily did anything brand new. I totally agree. There's nothing more to be said there. Brought absolutely nothing to cinema. Thanks, John Cleese. Jeez. <laughs> I didn't say that. <laughs> you hear what Allison's saying about you, John Cleese? She's saying that you brought absolutely nothing to the table. Don't call me an idiot. She basically is saying that this movie was a blank void. I don't think that's what I said. I'm Come on. I it's not even what I implied. Or implode. <laughs> so now, here we can talk about the things that needed to change. What would you think needs to change in this movie for a modern audience? With so modern sensibilities. So in the more modern audience, I notice that there are a lot more sensitivities for certain types of bullying. So I think that someone with a speech impediment, I don't know that that would fly very well here uh, in a modern movie. But I think that the opposite is true. I think that you there's more of a push to get a representation of differently abled people. True, but I think that if if it, it depends on if this was remade. I think I think it all comes down to the disability being the joke, mm -hmm. and it, that that's why I argue I don't think it was in this movie. I don't think it was either. But so it, they would have to be very careful to make sure that it was evident, like it was here, that they were more making fun of Otto than Ken. It would be tricky. Like you just want to make sure that it comes off the way that it's intended. We're not bullying someone with this speech impediment. It's the we're showing how horrible Otto is. Yeah, we're laughing at Otto for having backward beliefs. Yes. Right. And I would say that there was a couple of slurs that Otto threw in um, that were uh, against the LGBTQ right. community that wouldn't fly. Um, and I think we talked about this in Breakfast Club. So you think that in a modern movie, he because we're, we're already making fun of him for making fun of Ken. So I, it, it's not out of character for him to throw around homophobic slurs. So we're still making fun of him. 
I mean, it's kind of being backward again. It it would have to be clear the intention of the use of the word. I totally agree with that. So no, I, Mm -hmm. and I I like stuff that kind of goes to the edge, but you have to know where the mind of the comedian is Mm -hmm. and what their intention is of the joke. So there's a comedian quote unquote, I guess. Well, he is a comedian, but depends. (laughs) (laughs) So-called he does alt comedy and I used to like his stuff, but he goes so far to the edge and he never lets the facade down of the act, the irony or whatever, to the point where I don't know where the irony ends and the real him begins. Mm-hmm. So I've stopped watching his stuff because I don't know if he's actually being homophobic or racist or whatever. I, and I, I don't like that. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I totally agree. You have to know where the mind of the creator is, at least somewhat, for you to be able to enjoy comedy that's kind of going to those places. Yeah, and I think that's especially so of a modern audience because I think as a society, we are becoming more sensitive and more attuned. So that's all. All right. So Act 5, this is the Rose Awards Ceremony. Mm-hmm. So should we get a little hype going? Yeah, let's do it. Let's let's tap our eyes. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. They're also laughing at us, though. I don't know what to make of that. They're all going to laugh at you. They're still laughing. Hey, hey, ma'am. They're getting angry. I mean, they're getting excited at you being angry. Yeah. What are you going to do about that? Are you going to stop the hecklers? Don't make me get a steamroller. I'll do it. They they got tired. (laughs) (laughs) They're tired of your shenanigans. Yeah, really, though. All right. So who would you give your Rose Award to? Archie. Archie Bunker? Archie Bunker. I I, I don't know. I, I was trying to say Archie Junkies, but it just... I just had a weird amalgamation of everything. <laughs> Stop it. It's like it's like what we were talking it. about the other day where you're awkwardly trying to say like hello to somebody and you're like, oh, hi. Okay, I'm going to go. Yeah. Yes, I think you better have Archie Leach, uh, John Cleese. Uh, I, I think that he was the, the true protagonist of the film. He was the character that had the most growth. And while the story didn't originate with him, I feel like he was the character that the audience would be most uh, focused with. I think I was certainly the most sympathetic toward him, yes. Mm-hmm. I gave it to Johnny Cleesman as well. For practical reasons, I say that in the end, he got he gets both the key and the location of the jewels and successfully boards the planes and gets a new lady. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he wins in every aspect. Yeah, they start a, a leper colony uh, repair place. They but do? Did you not oh, see? Yeah, you said that earlier. I know I didn't see any of these. He, just hang on. Pause, <laughs> pause. He needs to finish the movie. Oh, I know. He also says he's going to soccer. Yeah, I know. That part was weird. <laughs> like There was nothing else in his personality that would indicate that he's Abusive. like that. Yeah. yeah. Ken became the master of ceremonies at the London Sea World, which I love for him. Yeah, but SeaWorld is an immoral organization, so... Well, Again, I get, he's probably the one that made them immoral. They were probably going the right way, but he was like, no, nah, we gotta club the seals. We gotta torture some orca. Yeah, exactly. Otto immigrated to South Africa and became Minister for Justice. <laughs> Why? That's so <laughs> random. <laughs> and we find out nothing of Leech's wife. Uh, she probably just didn't do anything. <laughs> she Her, didn't even she notice he was Porsche gone. She got Portia that nose job. <laughs> she got Portia the nose job and didn't even notice that Archie was gone. Yeah. All right, so now that I've finished the movie, we can continue to the Thorn Award. Well, who did you give your Thorn Award to? Hmm? 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 Otto. Automatically. And Otto Klein. 
So the the reason is is not because I didn't like his character. I did, but Otto did not only get in the way of Leech uh, and Leech's happiness. Otto got in the way of everyone's plans. If there was a way to bungle someone's plan. Otto was somehow behind it. Like, he couldn't even just stay away from Curtis to let her do her seductive thing. Like, he had to, like, don't you touch his penis. But he was a jelly man. No, jealousy is a useless emotion he doesn't subscribe to. Uh, Right, that's what he says, but he was a jelly man. Oh, no, absolutely, 100%. He was a jelly roll for the whole movie. No, I agree with you. I think he, he did a whole lot of bungling. He did probably the most bungling. However, however... Mm-hmm. However, mm-hmm. I gave mine to Jamie Lee Kurt. Okay. Because. You hate women. Correct. <laughs> but, uh, no. But I. <laughs> but, yes, but no. No, she ruins things early on. She had her thumb in all of the d- different pies. Like. Yeah, she was, she was the schemer. She was actually the one doing the most to uh, further the plot, I think. But she also ruined it in a very key way early on. When she first meets Archie, she was trying to, you know, give him a little bit of the sexy act and such. Mm. She went to his office and she was like, ooh, give me some of this fancy information. And he's like, oh, I don't want to. And she was like, well, it's just hypothetical. And he was like, oh, okay. And she's about, he's about to give her the information. And he's like, what's your name? And she was like, Wanda. She could have been anyone. Yeah, she just give him a different name. It was giving him the real name. That caused him to remember that she's a witness, and so she, he didn't give her the information. The plan could have been super easy and smooth had she just given a fake name. Mm-hmm. Now, I one reason she gave a re- the real name is because she is a witness, and she would have met him later. Mm-hmm. So she could have dealt with that situation later, or she wouldn't have had to deal with it at all because they would have escaped, having gotten the jewels and the money and all that. Or she had put on a disguise. Any, any number of ways she could have dealt with this, but she gave the real name and, and foiled her own plans. So for that reason, I give her the thorn. I accept that, but I still think it's Otto. Well, there you go. Doesn't make any sense. I'm so... Fuck you. <laughs> I'm so... Fuck you! <laughs> you went a little bit Al Pacino there. <laughs> <laughs> fuck you! <sighs> anyway, so your love award. So, it's a tie for me. Okay. And I know that it's going to be controversial. Ooh. And I know you will not agree with it. I'm not already agreeing. Ken and Leech, to me, were the top. I love Ken them. and Leech. hmm So, obviously, Johnny Cleesman mm-hmm. is, a, is, a, is a rock-solid choice. Yeah. I can't fault you for that. But Ken, I he's just, a murderer, a dog murderer. His intention was not to murder the dog. It was to murder an old lady. She was mean. She, well... There's no denying that, but still, <laughs> it's murder. And in doing so, also killed three little pups. I just... How could you possibly? Because he's so sweet. He's a dog killer. He didn't mean to kill the dogs. He didn't want But to after kill accidentally the- killing one, he goes back to do it again. After accidentally killing two, he goes back to do it again, dropping a piano on the last one. He didn't want the dogs to get hurt but he didn't take any amount of precautions to ensure that they would not okay but is being dumb a crime when you're killing people yeah (laughs) the killing people i think you will find is the crime but being dumb about it is not well but okay so being dumb is immaterial you have committed a crime yes so it's we're watching a movie about a bunch of criminals yeah no one in this movie is pure or good or decent how many people murder dogs (sighs) 
his intention wasn't to kill the dog. <laughs> and yet. And yet. You can disagree with me. This is who I love, who Allison loves. I just can't believe it. I, you are giving your love award to a triple dog murderer. He didn't mean for it to happen. This is crazy, and ladies and gentlemen. Technically, the Doberman took off with the dog. We never saw that dog die. He could have been best friends. Suck a butt. Uh, in the last scene, you see the scratches and the eye missing. Yeah. That Doberman was not a friendly dog. Maggie. Maggie. Yes. <laughs> Maggie was not a friendly dog. Also, it's kind of weird that he picked like the silk pink old lady knickers. <laughs> uh, well, he needed to have the smell, the yeah. scent of the old woman, but I guess it could have scent of a woman. Could have picked been a t-shirt. Could have. Could have. But that was easy access, I suppose. Her bloomers. Her blooms, yeah. So, who did you love? Otto. Yeah. <laughs> He's the bender of this film. Uh, kind of. Yeah. yeah, he thinks he's smarter than he is. He messes everything up. He's got an ego. And he thinks everybody else is too egotistical. And dumb. Yeah, he's he's hilarious. That's the perfect <laughs> confluence of being an idiot and thinking you're a genius. It's hilarious. Uh, who did you hate? Um... I don't. I didn't really hate anybody. I gave it to the daughter. Oh, Portia. Portia. She just inspired so much wrath. So I gave mine to the wife, Wendy. I love the wife. Okay. I almost gave her the the love award. To be she's, honest, she's just a shrew. She was definitely a shrew, but that was very funny. Yeah. So it's a. She is the type of woman that I wouldn't want to interact with. Just you know, like I. I, I just feel like she would have a problem with me on some level. Definitely, definitely, definitely. And I'm thinking the same would be for me too, but I would enjoy it. At least for a time. She, Wendy is it a would make me British laugh. Karen. But in, in real life, like if she were being shitty to me, mm -hmm. it would just make me laugh. <laughs> Especially if I didn't have any connection to her, like no yeah. relation. It doesn't bother me that she hates me so much, so it would just be kind of funny. Oh, gosh, yeah. yeah anyway, <sighs> so the ratings. Now, you have not actually rated anything yet. So I'll go first, and then I'll let you ponder. Okay. I have given comedy score a 6.7 out of 10. Okay. What is your, in your head, what would you say a 10 comedy is? Ooh, I have a hard time with comedy movies. Generally, I don't find comedy movies to be that funny. Mm -hmm. It's usually comedy shows that I like better. Dumb and Dumber comes to mind. Ace Ventura comes to mind. I like Jim Carrey, you know. Mm -hmm. Sue me. I, I don't need to. You're allowed to like Jim Carrey. Oh, okay. So, I don't know. What are some other comedy movies? Okay. History of the World Part 1. Oh. Uh, not a 10, but it's very funny. Blazing Saddles? Not a 10, but very funny. Uh, I would probably give that a comedy score. I laughed a lot. Seven. What would you consider uh, The Princess Bride? Eight. Eight, eight point five. 8.5. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, as far as things that have made me, you know, die laughing, like, I laugh and I laugh hard when something's funny. Yeah. I have gen like, well, so Napoleon Dynamite, the first time I saw it, I was stoic. Didn't laugh once. The second time I saw it, I died laughing a lot. Mm -hmm. And in fact, I laughed so hard. I was deprived of air for so long. Like you had a cauliflower in your nose? Somewhat like that, yes. <laughs> and then I died of laughing. <laughs> no, I almost did. I couldn't breathe for so long because I was like tensing up my stomach so much. I had, good ab workout. I had to I had to crawl out of the room so I couldn't hear the movie anymore so I could stop laughing. <laughs> like that was so that was that's probably 
I can't. That's not like a classic comedy like some of these other others are. But in terms of how hard it made me laugh, that's up there. I would say Napoleon Dynamite won't qualify as a classic movie by now. Well, I'm not not that it's not old enough. Just that I wouldn't say that it's good enough to be. I mean, it's kind of alternative comedy, but yeah. So I mean, I I just was kind of curious where your barometer was. Yeah, I don't know. I'd have to look at some more movies, but definitely like Ace Ventura. That's that's a nine mm. for a comedy. So I gave mine in, in Austin Powers. Austin Powers. Yeah. Austin Powers is one of those movies that literally have me on the floor rolling around and not breathing well. The first one did for me. Well, I, they came out when I was younger. So yeah. even Gold Member and Spy Who Shagged Me. Spy Who Shagged Me. All of them. This coffee's shit. <laughs> it is shit, Austin. All right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So yeah, Austin Powers is another. Uh, I'd give that a nine ten. Mm. Comedy TV shows. Faulty Towers is up there. Another John Cleese. Honestly, every episode has me busting out laughing a ton. Bit of Fry and Laurie is another classic. I, I die laughing at a lot of those skits. Key and Peele, honestly, have a good one. I love Key and Peele. I mean, obviously, Chappelle Show mm-hmm. is where they got their inspiration. Yeah, that's a, that's a good start. Those are some tens. Gotcha. So anyway, so uh, my comedy rating for this was 6.7. Had me laughing consistently. I loved the runners uh, that uh, Otto had. Mm-hmm. Assholes! What was that middle thing? And don't call me stupid. <laughs> and cons, none of the laughs had me rolling on the floor. So, I mean, they were good, but they weren't like, you know, knock you in the head. Gotcha. What would you give it for comedy? So I gave it an 8 out of 10 for uh, heist comedy with love. Because it's technically a heist movie. Yeah, I mean, it, it kind of, it crosses the line between some genres, but I don't know that it ever, I mean, it's, it's not, not super heist- heisty. It's only heisty in the first like 10 minutes. So it's not like Ocean's Eleven or. Yeah. yeah, it's only heisty in the first 10 minutes where they plan, they steal the things, and then the rest of the movie is just a comedy slash drama. So yeah. I mean, slash uh, romance thing. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I still thought, um, my, my thought was it was an eight out of 10. I thought that a lot of the humor of it was pretty timeless. I consistently laugh with it. It's something that I carry with me. So it just, I, I identified with the characters. I thought that some of their, just the physical, like facial reactions to certain things was just very good. You identified with the characters? Which character did you most identify with? The one you keep calling a dog killer. You identified with the dog killer? Well, in the sense that, you know, the, the remorse and the, the horror. I genuinely think that you've, you've gone off the reservation here. Maybe. That maybe. doesn't make any sense. Maybe it's I'm so not. inconsistent with who you are. <laughs> no, it's just he looks so I pathetic. know. He looks cute. And that's he, about it. He's pathetic. It's adorable. <laughs> and he killed dogs and tried to kill he an old woman. He didn't mean to kill the dog. And, but he still did three times. Not all at once, but one after another. Okay. So it's not like he did it gleefully. There was remorse. Yeah, but I'm sorry. One of the dog deaths was he had the, the, the jazzed up dog that was ready to kill. Mm-hmm. He trained it to kill. And then he set it loose on the old woman when she had her two remaining dogs with her. That was the first one. But then th- he, she had three dogs with her. Yeah. That, that's just plain. That's, that is not caring if the dogs die. Again, being dumb is not. <sighs> I don't know, man. I don't know. This is just weird. Okay. I'm confused. So directing. Directing, I gave it a 5.8 out of 10. 5.8. Why, why not curve up? That's exactly as good as it was, in my opinion. Okay. So not any more, not any less. I thought it trod the line between grounded realism and heightened cartoonishness, mm-hmm. such as the, the dog being flattened 
and you see the the paws sticking out. Very, it was very cartoonish, but much of the scenes were played in a kind of gritty, grounded realism, mm-hmm. still with comedy, but it, it all felt real, like these were real people and stuff. And I thought that it, it trod the line between those two realities well. Sometimes it can feel misplaced, like in Best in Show, mm-hmm. where they did go between kind of gritty or grounded realism and cartoonishness, but it didn't feel it felt awkward in that movie. In this movie, I thought that it made sense. Okay. So there was that and cons. Uh, I felt some of the shots in the movie felt a little amateurishly done. Hmm. Such as one that comes to mind it, when they're they're actually in the bank vault and they're taking stuff out of the the safes. The camera crooks to the side it kind of angles itself looking up like from the table after they grab something and then they're going into the saves it felt like they were trying to make the camera feel more active or dynamic or something like that and the i thought that the real outcome of it was that it felt bad it Mm. it just it didn't look right that didn't resonate with me quite as much i gave mine uh, a six out of ten so not far off from your literally point two (laughs) difference yeah uh, i don't remember the the displacement of the camera in the earlier shot quite in the same way um i thought that some of what the director did felt very old school even for the the 80s like the heightened sweat looks and things like that that i just were weird choices to me Um, i didn't pick up on that what do you mean by the heightened sweat looks like there's the scene where ken is in the bushes and he's looking on at the dog funeral he's sweating profusely but Mm. it looked like too shiny kind of glistening Maybe that was just how Michael Palin did it. Maybe he was genuinely sweating. Or Jamie Lee Curtis when she had the big troll trail. Like <laughs> just kind of weird choices like that. That they were expecting the camera not to be able to pick it up as well as it did, so they overdid. Yeah, that's probably why. Yeah. So but otherwise I just thought it was the pacing was really good, the shots were good for the most part. And there there was interesting framing, like when Cleese is being ha- hung outside the, his window. I thought they did a really good job with the visualization of like panning out slowly to kind of give you the full see what's going on. Yeah, no, I mean, there were definitely some good shots in it. I, and I certainly don't mean to say that the whole thing looked amateurish. There were mm-hmm. much of it felt very good. Mm-hmm. There were just some scenes that I thought fell down a little bit. Well, and again, to remind our, our listeners, a 6.8 out of 10, where 10 is the perfect, the best you can do, that's still a very good score. It is a 5.8. Oh, 5.8, sorry. So it's, it's still a decent score, yeah, I feel no. like. In the, in the, this, since this is just a comedy, I say just. I don't mean that in an offensive way, I suppose. In the way that only comedies rarely get Academy Awards. Exactly. Well, so is there a, a category for best comedy? No. Not not for the Academy, but maybe That's so for, bad. Why? For, like, would the Golden Globes or Emmys do something like that? I don't I know. I don't know. Yeah. That's a kind of a shame that the Oscars don't do that. So, for music. Da, 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 da. I gave mine a a tree out of 10. I am actually going to lower mine a little bit. I had put a five. I think I'm going to drop it down to a four. Just because there was that one kind of... See, that didn't even make an impact on me enough to where I could remember it. So the only reason it does for me, and that may jade my score a little bit, is I had a friend of mine burnt me a CD, and it was called Swedish Metal Opera. And there was a remake of that song with a orchestra singing it. And so I'm guessing it's a famous song that they recreated. And so I just associate it with the metal opera. Yeah. So what would you give it for writing? I gave mine a six out of 10. Hey, 
Hey, me too. Right here. Pound it. Cablank. So I thought that the prose, it had a neat plot, mm-hmm. fun character interplay, characters while interesting. I've said all this stuff before, but I think that this is all credit to the writing. I mean, obviously the, the actors had to bring something too, but I thought the writing was very good. I thought it was a good script and it was always compelling. Some part of what I should have left for uh, directing, good pacing also, agreeing with what you said earlier. But some of that's also for writing, so I'll give it credit here also. Mm-hmm. I thought it was really good. Solid. A, a really good writing for a comedy. Again, yeah. not meaning to be condescending to comedies. <laughs> and they even threw in a fry. Well, come on. <laughs> So for British comedy, it felt very, um, British comedy is notoriously kind of for selective palettes for an American audience. Yeah. Like we associate it with like the, the Monty Python's kind of humor. And I thought that this did a really good job of bridging humor expectations. Interesting. Interesting analysis. So what did you feel about the actors? Uh, the actors, I thought I gave it a 4.001 out of 10. That's interesting. I went a little more north than you. Oh, yeah? What'd you give it? I gave it a seven out of the world of comedy, and I should have done it for I was going to say, come on. We've we've got Laurence Olivier living on this scale. I'll drop it down to a six. Still, with Laurence Olivier being on the... Fine, I'll drop it down to a five. There you go. That's (laughs) that's where it belongs. (laughs) So it's still one more than I gave it, but that's more believable. Yeah. So I thought the best acting in this movie came from John Cleese, actually. I mean, he's the the comicest of comic actors, I think. But I thought that he gave a very grounded performance in this movie, as well as delivering some very comic uh, tags. Bits. I think he was bringing the average up. I think I would give him a 5 out of 10 for acting. Mm-hmm. Maybe even a 6 in this movie. Everybody else, I thought, they overacted. But that worked for Otto. Exactly. And I think that the over, I thought the overacting worked for everybody in this movie. It's a comedy, so everybody is playing it up a bit. And I thought it was to good effect. I don't mean to say that that detracted from it being funny, but it means you're not acting as well. You're not being as convincing as a character as you otherwise would if you were doing this in a drama, say. So I think that it lowers the acting score, but that low acting score was because of their overacting, which made it a better comedy. Interesting. <laughs> it's like a complimentary insult. It, well, it kind of is, yeah. yeah. One thing pulls uh, away from the other, I think. Mm-hmm. I think you can have a really good, gritty, grounded performance in a drama even that plays funny, and it can be very funny. That just wasn't this, the style of this movie. Well, you don't want in a gritty drama for your uh, serious performance to be amusing. <laughs> well, it can be intentionally so, but just yeah. because of the situation, it becomes funny. Yeah. So I gave mine a five out of ten. I just I thought it was just very well rounded. There was Cleese and Otto, uh, their interactions, just their subtle changes that they would make to their faces or their behaviors or attitude, and to to hear about the uh, the kind of improvisation. I thought that. They hid the fact that it was improv very well. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just, I, I enjoyed the energy that they brought. Well, so, and as far as the improv is concerned, as far as I know, it was only improv within certain things. So there was some dialogue within the scene, but everything was all written out and structured and stuff like that. So they could deviate slightly with improv, mm-hmm. but it was all, you know, written for them anyway, as opposed to something like Best in Show. I'm 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 comparing it to Best in Show a lot because not only was that an improv movie, but it was I think our only other comedy, and most recent, and or it was our one. most yeah well Se- second most recent yeah. 
So anyway, yeah. So best in show had it was all improv, I think, right? Mm-hmm. And I think it showed. You wanted more structure, any structure. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, what is your real rating? Moment of truth. I gave this movie a real rating of six point one out of ten. Oh, okay. And you? Six point five out of ten. Six point five. Mm-hmm. You like this point four more than I did? Apparently. Wow, that's interesting. Well, <laughs> no, you you thought that it critically was six point four. Yeah, quality. My, my my heart rating uh, is the same as my nostalgia, which was an eight. An acht. Okay, so uh, my heart rating is no, probably not. I don't know. What's a good kind of? I wish we had a drum roll. An anticipatory noise. My heart rating was. Seven point eight four out of ten. Hey, not too far. Yeah, so. only one point six off. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I I like this movie a lot. This is a movie that I will definitely watch again. I kind of wish I had bought it so I could watch it again freely whenever I want. Mm-hmm. But, but you don't know until you know. I don't know until I know. That's correct. I mean, I did for Breakfast Club. I think I or maybe I rented that then just immediately bought it. But I, I remember you got it pretty quickly after the fact. Yeah. <laughs> So uh, yeah, I, I I loved this movie. I'll even say I thought it was hey. I thought it was wonderful. Good. I'm so glad I was spot on with this one. I needed yeah. a redemption for comedy. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> I don't know what the hell went wrong with Best in Show, but nor do I. <laughs> on paper, again, it should have been up your alley. Yeah, it just wasn't done well. What can I say? But well done, Fish Called Wanda. Yay, Johnny Cleese, man, you've got a, a solid record. Monty Python, come on, son. Faulty Towers, best in the world. Fish Called Wanda, you hit it out of the park. And you did say you wanted a, a Cleesian film. I would love a Cleesian film, and we got one. Actually, it was my uncle who was saying that we should have oh, a Monty Python or uh, Gilliam. Yeah, and Gilliam, I will eventually get to show you uh, The Adventures of Baron Munchausen. There's also another Cleese movie that I'd never heard of, but I saw in my research for this called Clockwork. Which what Cleese, year did it come out, though? Before this. I think it was 86. Okay. So I think that he says that Clockwork was his best script, but he likes this movie the best of any movie he's ever done. So there was something you wanted to address before we got to our next time on the RTR and we assign our next movie. Oh, yeah. We probably should have done that beforehand because I was going to say we should do a Fish Called Wanda's sequel. Because oh. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know what that was. I was hoping you would. Ah, but okay. you haven't seen it and it's not really a sequel. So yeah, never mind. <laughs> Do you have an idea for what the next movie? This is act six, by the way, next time on Hardy R. What so, should our next movie be? So I have a couple of options for you for the next one. Do we want to go to a drama, a gritty drama mm-hmm. or keep it light with another comedy drama drama? I would like us to watch a clockwork or not a clockwork orange. I'm fine with that. One flew over the cuckoo's nest. Oh, what? Okay. So why did a clockwork orange come to your mind? Is that also on the cards? Eventually it will be, but mentally I'm not quite ready for it yet. Interesting. Interesting. It's it's a great one. It's based on one of my favorite books, but it is- What's the book a, called? A clockwork orange. Oh, interesting. <laughs> both uh, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest and A Clockwork Orange were both assigned readings for me in high school. What was the One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest book called? One flew over the cuckoo's nest. Oh, okay. <laughs> what was the middle one? <laughs> Sorry. 
I didn't. I was like, there's two. <laughs> what do you mean the middle one? No, he did that. Yeah, no. <laughs> In the movies, they gave her him two options at one point. He was like, what was the middle one? <laughs> the comedy option would have been analyze this because I did not know you hadn't seen that. Oh, yeah. We just talked about that earlier today. And then the gritty one is Taxi Driver with De Niro. I thought you said the gritty one was One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. No, that's the drama. Oh, I didn't know that there were three options. I thought it was two. Yeah, no, sorry, three. Okay, so there's gritty, which is Taxi Driver. There's drama, which is One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. And there's comedy, which is Analyze This. Yes. All right. All right, that's actually tough because I do want to see uh, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest and Taxi Driver. So Analyze This, I'm, I do want to see, but those other ones have a bigger draw. Yeah, so... Taxi Driver, there is a lot to unpack there. It was assigned viewing for a film studies class I took in college. What was the book for the Taxi Driver called? There was none. Oh, okay. Yeah. But this one, it is hard to watch just because of the content. It it is at times painful and it touches a lot of very hard subject matter, but it's very good. It's one that I would say an essential watching film. You've Uh sold me. Let's do Taxi Driver. Okay. For my nostalgia on that, I would say I would give it a 5 out of 10. However, my... Your heart says a 5 out of 10? Mm Mm-hmm. But I recognize... And that's just because it's hard for me to watch. It's good, but it is hard for me to watch. Um, See, I have a different sort of thing, a different response to to intensity, I guess, in movies. mm Because I I, re- I respond more to that when something is intense or hard to watch in my that that's rates higher in my heart. So, but from like I can I can tell the acclaim of it. Like I I know it's really good, but I don't love it. Uh, it I I guess my heart has almost a rewatchability factor to it. Mm-hmm. Um. So my my nostalgia is a five. However, my real is a seven point five. For you, just. Well, I like you articulating, just before you move on, I like you articulating that the heart kind of has an implied rewatchability score in there. I think that makes sense. Although for some things, I don't know. I don't know if that makes sense for everything because something like Dark Knight, Mm -hmm. I would give that movie a really high real rating, but I would also give it a really high heart rating. I love that movie because of the intense performance of the Joker Mm -hmm. in it. But I don't want to watch it a bunch because I don't want to ruin it for myself. I, I don't want to take away the magic of seeing that movie. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like Star Wars. I don't want to watch that too much because if I do, it, it'll become kind of passe in my own brain and I don't want that to happen. Mm-hmm. So I don't, it, that doesn't work for everything because sometimes I don't want to watch the movies that I have the highest regard for. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? No, that makes sense. Yeah. So I guess in, in this case specifically, like I revere it. it. This is a very good film, but it just, because it is so well done, I struggle to watch it again because of the intention of how you were made to feel. Interesting. That being said, I think your real rating for this is also going to be quite high. I think it will be a 7.5 out of 10 or higher. Okay. What do you think my uh, my heart rating will be? I think your heart... See, this is hard because just I don't know how you will respond to the content. I think you'll give it a 7 out of 10. Okay. But I, I always hope for higher. It's just, I don't, this specific content, I don't know how you will respond to. Let's watch the trailer because I don't know how familiar you are with this. I don't think, I don't know anything about it. Yeah, let's watch the trailer. And... 272. Second call, 
De Niro. In Bang the Drum Slowly, the critics called him a brilliant new talent. After Mean Streets, they said he was a genius. For his performance in The Godfather Part II, they gave him the Academy Award. Come on, man. Just get me out of here, all right? Now, Robert De Niro creates a terrifying portrait of life on the edge of madness. Tabby, just forget about this. It's nothing. Taxi Driver, a film by Martin Scorsese. Yeah, people do anything in front of a taxi driver. I mean, anything. People too cheap to, to rent a hotel room. Oh, driver, hurry up, will you? People want to embarrass you. It's like you're not even there. It's like, you know, like a taxi driver doesn't even exist. This city here is like an open sewer, you know? It's full of filth and scum. I think I know what you mean, Travis. But it's not going to be easy. How do you guys get to be a Secret Service man? What? I was just curious, because I thought maybe... Sorry, I'm pausing it here, because... He, in, especially in this scene, he looks like the main guy from SVU. Oh, it doesn't uh, look Christopher like Christopher Maloney. He's so young here; just the shape of his face even looks different. Yeah, he looks like that guy. Anyway, I'd make a good one. Hey, what kind of guns do you guys carry? Thirty-eights, forty-fives, three fifty-seven Magnums, something bigger maybe. Hi. I'd like to volunteer. Why? Why? Because I think that you are the most beautiful woman I've ever seen. The taxi driver is looking for a target. Thanks. Getting ready. Getting organized. Preparing himself for the only moment in his life that will ever mean anything. How much for everything? 350 for the Magnum. 250 for the 38, one and a quarter for the 25, 150 for the 380. That taxi driver's been staring at us. You talking to me? You talking to me? I don't know if it's weirder, you or me. You talking to me? Well, who the hell else are you talking? You talking to me? Well, I'm the only one here. I don't believe I've ever met anyone quite like you. Oh, yeah? You will never see a more chilling performance than this. Robert De Niro and Martin Scorsese's Taxi Driver. Jodie Foster. Albert Brooks. Harvey Keitel. Leonard Harris. Peter Boyle. Sybil Shepard. <laughs> okay. Taxi Driver. <laughs> Yeah, the pacing of the trailer was way off. <laughs> that well, yeah, it was too long, and he was dragging it out at the end. Like I'm gonna list every single person that was I in this movie. I get paid by the second in this trailer. <laughs> so I thought it was a little bit too revealing. I, th you know, but oh, uh, that's unfortunate. But I have to say, I'm really excited to see this movie. I I hope I did not talk it up too much. I don't know. I mean, everyone says that it's a classic, but this is kind of the test of this this podcast. It's true. You know, Are we all just being nostalgic? Exactly. So I uh, I guess I'll let you know next time on Hardy R. Thank you all very much for listening. Caw-caw! Oh, yes. Thank you, Mr. Uh, Julian Crowhurst, for the use of our theme song. Caw-caw! 
<laughs> I like that uh, you get your own sound effect now. Exactly. All right. So everybody, please do remember, I know we have beseeched you once if we've beseeched you a thousand billion times, but please, for the love of God, would you leave us a five-star review? We need it. On You're Apple Podcasts. Us. You're destroying our souls day by day. Every day that we don't get a five-star review, I kill a cat. Hey. Any cat. It, oh. could, it could be anyone's cat. Yours? Mine? I don't like this game anymore. Uh, neighbors? I don't like this game anymore. Cats will die. Stop it. One by one. Stop it. I demand five-star reviews. Um. Sorry, I was turning into a villain. I, I, I noticed that, but I don't like that you were specifically attacking cats for your, uh, for your hatred there. Okay, fine. Cats, dogs, whatever. It doesn't matter. As long as they're beloved by the family that owns them. So... <laughs> Leave us a five-star review, They will please. be pets you miss. <laughs> <laughs> and please join us on our Facebook group, the Hardy R Community Face Place. That's where the action happens. That's where you'll find love. So, <laughs> <laughs> that's all we've got. I've been Zach. I've been Allison. Bye-bye. really irrationally angry when i'm driving uh and someone in front of me is smoking and it means i can't have my windows down because they're smoking oh yeah yeah, yeah. i have the same thing yeah it's like can you wait until we're moving so your smoke isn't getting in my car although vaping isn't so bad because it smells like bubble gum or something yeah but it gives you the false hope of cinnamon rolls <laughs> or that yeah <laughs> it's like oh man someone's making funnel cake no so yeah <laughs> someone's making funnel cake in the car ahead of us <laughs> Seems dangerous, but I'll go with it. <laughs> Let me honk my horn and see if they'll pass me one. Hey, man, got a funnel fry? <laughs> roll down your window. Roll down your window. Pass me one of those sweet cinnamon rolls. What? <laughs> Look, shut up. Don't argue with me and just do it. I've got a gun. I don't have any cinnamon rolls. Well, then give me your vape pen. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and then I shoot him anyway. Now I know what you're saying. Zachary. Zach. Z. Z-Man. Z-Man. Z-Dog. Z-Money. Juicy Z. <laughs> Juicy Z. I don't know if I like that one. It sounds gross. It's so weird. Juicy Z. <laughs> uh, feel bad about my choices today. You should. I really do. Hang your head just, in shame. But then I can't get to the mic. I don't hey, care. Hey, hang on. There you go. There. I feel bad. There's the contrition. <laughs> so an average price for a new car was but $10,400. Now I know what you're saying. Juicy Z. Surely they made a lot less back then, so it wouldn't be the same. Juicy Z doesn't want you to call him Shirley. <laughs> <laughs> and I say that, yes, they did make less. But their average income per year was $24,450. So the cost of a new car was ha less than half of their yearly salary. Whereas now, you know, people are still making like $30,000 and the average new car is about $30,000. Mm. Yeah. So comparatively, you guys were getting cars for a steal. 
Cars, homes, whatever you wanted. I know. You boomers. You had it so easy and you didn't even realize it. And <laughs> now you complain about us millennials while we've inherited garbage. The world's been turned to garbage. You've turned it into garbage for us. And we've got to somehow fix it. We are the saviors of this world. <laughs>